You are now listening to Well, Well, Filling Out. Like, oh my God, did she just murder him? <laughs> oh no, his pussiness. Misandry. <laughs> yes, misandry. Oh, poor man. Ladies, serial killers are the best. Well, she's never going to get that stain out. Nothing says it's over like running over your ass. It had to be a woman. It had to have been a woman. Are you wearing it? How big were her breasts? <laughs> Hi. Hey. Hey, hello. Uh, here it we are. It is us. Yeah. <laughs> here we are. I guess technically not officially our last episode of the season, but our last snack episode of yeah. this 2019, the year of our Lord. So welcome, friends, to snack episode 208.5, entitled The Honeymoon's Over. Murder. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I was going to say titled Left on Red, the Eve Palastri Chronicles. That, too. that works too. But yeah, also the honeymoon's over because it really fucking is. Murder baptisms, tenderness, and you hauling in Alaska. An appropriate subtitle for what the fuck we will be discussing in this final snack episode of Killing Eve season two. Is everyone feeling okay? Did we did we recover? How How are we all doing? Yeah, what's everyone's coping mechanism been like? I feel like it's like delusion. You know, people who are like, the birds, the birds have a bug in them. And really, this is all a secret plot, Mission Impossible style, for our favorite pair to fake their death. Well, not their death, to fake Eve's death. Or there's just straight up denial. It didn't happen. Something else happened. It's all fucking fine. There's cynicism. And then there's acceptance. Yeah, what stage are we at? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I personally is like, a, I mean, I'm still picking fights with people on the internet, but I, I'll eventually get over. Are that. these people the heads? Are these people the ones that don't see the love between? Or uh, yes. I guess I should be careful to say love with all the conjecture out there, but the romance between Villanelle and Eve. Yeah, the they are totally obtuse about the fascination that one has with the other and it's it's a strange it's a sapphic fascination people sapphic i mean because they can pull love out of anywhere they can have inanimate objects in love with each other but two living breathing i'm just trying to figure out how just a dude and a bitch can be on screen and 80 percent of the people watching will be like i ship it i ship it they're gonna get together this is the perfect fucking couple but we can have such overt scenes of romance and sensuality between Villanelle and Eve and people are still out there like, well, I just don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. Is it, are you sure that this is what Eve is interested in? Are you sure that she wants to have Villanelle pleasure her in the sapphic way? Bitch, are we watching the same show? I really feel like we're not. And it's like, oh, but what about all the risks she's taking? Well, she took those risks with dudes. So it's like... It's still a dude. Wait, the risk, the only risk she's taking right now is, well, I won't say pregnancy because maybe that, yeah. maybe that time has passed. We're going to say that time has passed. No more pregnancy tests. We're done with that. We're not jumping. The but team. it only became relevant for Villanelle and not even really relevant. Yeah. She so I was like, what kind of bitch it? be fucking that many women is concerned about the pill? Like, that's not something that happens. Oh, you know, it's those funny. Are, those are queer privileges. Oh, Villanelle lost her luggage in Rome. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> That's true. She's never going to get those outfits back. No, no, she won't. She, she slit Aaron's throat before she could ask him where Mrs. Peely left her luggage and her choke wire. Mm. That she definitely had a second stashed choke wire somewhere in the side of her luggage that Constantine did not see. 
And by the way, yes, thank you for all these priceless outfits. But I'm going to go shopping with the maid. <laughs> That's oh how I'm going to flee the scene. I don't so even like Aaron's <laughs> sense of style. I mean, yeah. Villanelle always looks great, but I'm just sort of like, what, what's going on here? Where's the zhuzh? Where's the pop? Where's the fun? It's yeah. like a trendy mom, which would fit with Aaron's weirdness. Because I'm like, uh -huh. why are you dressing the women this way? That's kind of weird. But your whole shit is weird. So, all right. I mean, I don't see him as a television watcher since he's a people person. But if there His were, television is the people. Right, exactly. <laughs> but if it, if there was a show, it would be that show that I keep trying to bring up whose name I don't know with the Reese Witherspoon and the Meryl Streep and... Oh, Big Little Lies. Yeah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, that, that's mm -hmm. all his alley. Yeah, well... <laughs> uh, so I guess we should just jump into the correction segment. How about that? It's the correction! <laughs> I mean, I don't know how it goes, but it's something like that. It's the correction segment. Wow, did we totally fuck that up? Did we? I mean, I hope not. Did, 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 did we? Yeah. And this is why we have snack episodes. All right, so this first correction is not really a correction. It's more of me expanding because I realized that I just sort of sped through. And I'm sure anyone who's curious about this location in Italy probably Googled it or looked on one of the many things that you could potentially find on Twitter talking about the location of the ruins that Villanelle and Eve had their demise in actual fucking ruining situation. Oh, you mean the one that they broke into with a rock? Look. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try to bypass that bullshit. Whew. And yeah, I'm talking about... I mean, I did mention that it was the Teatro Maritimo, but I did not mention that... That space is located in the Villa Adriana, or as it's also known as Hadrian's Villa in Tivoli, Italia. And so as I mentioned, it's in Tivoli and not in Rome. It's kind of ridiculous. And if you actually look at the distance from Tivoli to Rome, it's about 32 kilometers or for us Americans, 19 miles. Bitch, that's a fucking distance. Yeah, that's that's a lot of space. That's really wild that they did that. But I have to assume that they went to these lengths of ridiculousness and space changing because they really wanted the aesthetic of the Roman ruins and Greek mythology. And considering some of the other things we've seen and we were talking about before about the color choice of Villanelle's wardrobe and Eve's wardrobe this episode. And then some things we saw that we'll mention later on with comparisons to Pilates and Orestes. And so it's interesting. I think maybe it was one of those situations of them like we will fit the scene to this location, regardless of whether or not it's practical for where we set everything else in this location, which is Rome proper. Uh, something is like, well, this is my brain, but expanded because I'm pretty sure Rome, when it stood, was quite a marvelous sight. And here we are surrounded by its ruins because... Because you know, we are in ruins, because yeah. the show is in ruins, uh -huh. because Villanelle's heart is in ruins, because Eve's abdomen is in ruins... Where am in I? In addition to her underwear, because we can't oh, forget yeah, the, the fact underwear. that she ruined that shit prior to shirking a bitch off in the ruins. But whatever. Uh, Getting so ahead of myself again. Do you think again. they both got mutual <laughs> O's when the sledgehammer came down on the head? Oof. How did it I feel? Think, Wet. I think Eve was maybe a little too numb. Hey, okay, you know what? What I was saying before was that she was anticipating, or rather she was interpreting her feelings as like, I'm nauseated, I'm feeling sick. And my opinion is just like sensory overload. She don't overload. know what that means. Right? It's sensory overload. So I'm going to say yes. It's just that... 
like most of her life, she didn't know what was going on. She was just caught in the throes, but Villanelle definitely caught that O. She was like, Mm -hmm, this mm -hmm, is fucking mm -hmm. amazing. Am I a bad person for just wanting two (laughs) bitches to go on a murder spree? Is that really what people are trying to tell me right now? That I can't have what I want? I'm just saying there are so many toxic characters in the lexicon of creativity and media and books and all that shit. What is is so fucking bad about me, Candace, wanting to revel in a toxic duo? Like, why is that not okay? I'm just saying, I'm just putting it out there, guys, because a lot of people are like, what is it? You know, it would really be fucked up if Eve and Villanelle run off together. Yeah, and so, and, okay, and. That's sort of the point. I can name about three dozen other movies where the couple running off together is toxic, and yet, and yet. Also, caveat, those were all heterosexual couples, but, you know, I'm just saying, I don't know why people suddenly have a problem with toxicity when it's two women. I just don't understand. I do, but I don't. I do, but I don't. They love to watch. They just don't love to advocate it's really weird and annoying you know what let's just move on to the next correction which isn't a correction but kind of a correction because you want to talk about it yeah it's only just to minorly expand only because you know we've been we had our ear to the ground and a lot of people haven't really put stock into the trailers that we were getting especially with uh hugo coming back with that cold coffee talking about i got your coffee mrs robinson and then you know no one's really said much about it and i've had my ear to the ground looking for people to explain it and they haven't been doing it so i'll just say for those of us who are you know born maybe late 80s late 90s or maybe early aughts us older millennials yeah the older millennials will will for sure know that uh the reference of mrs robinson was from the graduate i mean we chuckled at it but we didn't put much stock into it. But I guess it was just him saying, I'm going to say a line that makes you think of the thing that we did together because you seem to want to keep acting like I wasn't there, <laughs> which is, I guess, a lot of what he kept trying to do that scene. The only other line he said to Eve was, well, how much detail do you want me to go into again? Trying to make her think on whatever it was that they did together, which apparently wasn't that big of a deal to her. So I'm still going to say that Hugo is literally a poor man's Dustin Hoffman. That's all I'm going to say. But it's kind of interesting that he has similar hair a little bit to (laughs) Dustin Hoffman's character. If you guys haven't seen that film, you can check it out or not. I mean, I don't really have incredible feelings about it one way or the other. It's just one of those things I feel like I saw en route to just like, what is film? What are the best things that people talk about? Let me see everything on this fucking list. And The Graduate is one of those fucking films. I'm looking at the poster now, and I love the tagline that says, this is Benjamin. He's a little worried about his future, which is funny. <laughs> when you That's think relevant of the fact to Hugo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. Don't leave me, Eve, no. Eve! <laughs> oh, I'm surprised he didn't call out for his mama. He's at the type of age where you call out for your mama. Although, to be sure... I don't think it matters how old I am. If something awful happens to me and I'm in a lot of pain and I think that potentially I'm going towards the white light, I'm a call for my mom. Mm -hmm. I'm like, mom, mom. In fact, I think that's what's so heartbreaking about actual death or sickness is that for a lot of people, no matter what age you are, if you go into crisis and danger is afoot, you call for your safety blanket, the person in your life who you think is, or rather who is the one person that can potentially provide comfort to you at this time. And, you know, for death, it's basically your mom, right? Yeah, I think that's partly what's so devastating for people who lose their parental figures, which actually this ties back into Villanelle for the friends and family I've known where unfortunately you you lose a primary parental figure early on in life. It fucking it takes its toll. It's a huge deal. And as someone who's super close to their mom, I, I don't know 
what it would be like to exist on the planet without my mom there because she's definitely that one person that I'm like, no matter what, my mom is fucking ride or die. She's down for whatever. And it's definitely the person I for sure would want with me if I'm leaving the mortal coil. I'm just like, oh, last eyes I want to see is my fucking mama's eyes. And when you think about the detachment to Villanelle and what the loss of family actually does for people in terms of do you feel like there's there's something there for you? There's a place you can go. There's a person who will always be judgment free potentially or take you as you are. And Villanelle doesn't have that. She perceives that she doesn't have that up until Constantine lets her know at the end that actually, bitch, you kind of do. And she's like, what? And he's like, that's all I have to say about it. That's all I have to say. I, I gotta go. I not just fucking with her. That's my hope. I don't think Constantine would fuck with her in that way. I think it was fucked up for him to say that. And I talk about it. I know we mentioned some more about that in the musings, but I just, because Constantine was verifiably devastated. I mean, excellent acting there by Kim Bodnia in terms of that final scene, because it felt like the most emotional scene between the two of them. And I think it was very complicated what was going on there because arguably, as you said, Constantine chooses Villanelle over his family earlier in the season. He definitely does. And he doesn't hear. And so there's a, there, there's some questions to be had, but yeah, I don't think it's, I think with, with Constantine, it's way more complicated than that because his concern for Villanelle is genuine, but his manipulation is also very real, so... It's those two things. But in the same, in that case, he's kind of like Villanelle, where you're like, here's this likable person who does these likable things, but then they also do these other things that aren't less likable because it's manipulative and it's dishonest. But yeah. Anyway, that was a completely deviated tangent from The Graduate, but there it is. Oh, what's this next thing here? Oh, oh we that's, were talking well, about um, during our review of 208, we were talking about We uh, didn't talk about it at all, actually. <laughs> we just mentioned that we, we were going to talk about around. it. Yeah. We mentioned that you know, the queer baiting. Well, this is like a fandom correction. Queer baiting. Is it happening on Killing Eve? Short answer, no. It's ultimately, I guess we should start at the root of how we should define what queer baiting is, which is ultimately um, a lingering or the piecing together of the possibility of there being a queer shipping that sort of is hinted at but not confirmed but it's, there's a possibility that it could happen and it could be brought to manifestation if the writers will it. And it's just the fandom just sort of latching onto every single slither of random contact the two characters have where it's like, right. oh, they may give us the thing. This might be the moment where they finally do the stuff. But, you know, it's just since it's not part of the integral plot or major arc, like, it's just happenstance that they just happen to be in the same area at the same time. Oh, their elbows touched. Oh, is that the spark? No. I mean, we don't know. But maybe. Maybe it's the spark. And I think also another key part of it is exploitative. Because it's not, I mean, it's debatable what queer watchers will, will read into when they see two actors playing a scene. If the actors have, you know, palpable chemistry, the likelihood that somebody somewhere is going to be like, I could see those two together is very high. And that happens across the board with heterosexual pairings as well as queer pairings. So that's to be expected. What is so fucked up, though, is when the people behind the property are aware of this and they play into it and, you know, develop marketing materials or things that suggest like, yeah, yeah, we're going in this route only to bamboozle and pull the rug from underneath the watcher's feet after the fact, which can have some pretty devastating consequences depending on the viewer who's watching the thing. I guess if we Google it, we can probably find some pretty popular or rather mainstream examples. The first one that came to mind for me, and I suppose it's debatable about queer baiting or how exactly that works, but I just know the fandom was huge. I, I stopped watching the show after like, I wanna say 
midway through the second season, third season, I was really busy around that time, but then also I was getting annoyed. And that's Once Upon a Time. Yes. With I've Swan Queen shit. Those two moms. Immediately. I was like, Hello, these two gay moms. Two moms, yeah. Hello. One's trying to be good. One's trying to be evil. Give it to me. Give it to me. And they were like, bitch, no. Didn't they eventually make Mulan gay, but then like not really because she didn't get to actually express any sort of queer identity on the show? I don't know if you watched up until Mulan's debut. Uh, no, I haven't. No. I mean, I've watched some of it. Wait, is that what the Sleeping Beauty you're talking about? I believe so. Because I remember like when anytime anything gay happens in media, I feel like it always just gets around to the circles. But so I remember reading at the time that, oh, this is what they're doing. And it sort of seemed like it was a consolation prize. Like, we'll never give you Swan Queen, but here's this other character. But also this character doesn't get a lot of screen time. Now, I could be totally wrong. And please, fans out there, if you've watched Once Upon a Time, if you're engaged in this fandom and you're like, Candace, you're full of shit, actually Mulan, and you said Sleeping Beauty, had tons of screen time. They were an amazing couple. We completely fell in love with that ship. Then please correct me and send me the YouTube links because I would like to see what's going on out there. But the general impression I got and why I've not gone back to the show is that people were actually pretty pissed off with what they did and what they didn't do with the titular characters. And whenever I hear reasons why they can't put couples together, I'm always like, are those real reasons or just your weird, yeah, those are your weird hat reasons? reasons. Right? Those yeah. are fake reasons. So what about like Rizzoli and Isles? Sorry, that, that is popping too. into my head. But what about Lena Luther and Cara Danvers? See, now unfortunately, oh gosh, you know I'm a watcher of Supergirl, and even though we're on a Marvel podcast, I will always have love for my DC women. And I'm in a weird, like hate watch situation with Supergirl where I love, you know, the actors involved. Um Supergirl is one of those situations where it's just one of those things where you cast actors and then they get on the scene and they have an incredible amount of chemistry that people can see. There's plenty of reasons, good, authentic, verifiable reasons that Kara would be awesome as a gay or bisexual, pansexual character. But the reality <laughs> of whether the powers that be will ever have the confidence, the balls, the moxie to do hero. such a thing. Right. Yeah. And what bothers me about stuff like that is that even though you can argue for all the nerds that are like, this is a canon. Is it happening in the comics? That you could argue that, okay, this is not something that has to exist for Supergirl in the same way that it definitely should exist for Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. And I'm still pissed about that. I'm still mad. I'm like, where's her queerness? When will it come out? When right. will it display itself? But I feel like Supergirl is one of those situations where you guys had a lot of storylines you were messing with. That whole Mon-El shit. Where that was really, a waste of time. It was a waste of time. Mostly because you centralized, you made a, a dick the central thing versus the woman that people were tuning in for as a superhero. And you nerfed her powers half the fucking time. And I feel like with the whole Lena situation, it's one of those opportunities that presents themselves. Like Root and Shaw, where maybe as a writer, organically, when you first cast these bitches, you weren't thinking that this is something I could try. But you see what develops on set. You see how audiences are responding. You see what's happening. And then you modify accordingly. And so I think it would be super cool if they did a modification. I don't think it's a big, huge deal to have Kara be bi or pansexual. But... Will it ever happen? Absolutely not. Right. I mean, I was thinking or hoping like when rain was happening, I was like, <gasps> they look like they would play so nice together. But... I had such a good time on the rain storyline. <laughs> I'm just and you know, anytime there's an evil bitch or quote unquote evil um, woman afoot. I'm like, yeah, bitch, I'm, a, I'm on your team. I'm on your mm -hmm. side. Let's go. What are we doing? So, yeah, I yeah. Love hate relationship with Supergirl just because I want it to be so much better than it is. But I'm still happy it exists. Yeah. And I love watching those crack videos of Lena <laughs> and Kara because they're fucking hilarious. But yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, I feel like that happens with heterosexual ships, where if you if you cast some actors, 
And the first season goes through and there's a whole bunch of chatter and articles and stuff like, oh, look at the chemistry. Oh, will they, won't they, will they, won't they? That the writers eventually give some fan service. But when it's a gay couple, a lesbian couple, a queer couple, whatever the fuck, they're like, I don't know. Why can't women just be friends, you know? Why can't gals just be pals? Why can't yeah. women just be strong women together and be friendly? Why does everything have to be gay? And when people say shit like that, I'm like, where is everything gay? Right. Can where you- is it? Direct me. Can to I the, go there? Is there everything gay? Channel? Are there tickets to that <laughs> island? Can I go live there? Can I change my my citizenship, please? I would like to. Like, cause it's I'm not being assaulted by the gay. Like you, you claim I'm being assaulted and everything. And I'm really not. I'd, I'd, I'd love the more. I would love to be assaulted by the gay. I mean, technically, we will be a little bit because it's about to be June. And oh, that's that what too. happens in New York yes. <laughs> and other progressive cities like ours. But still, I would like to be even more assaulted. Like we said in a previous episode, where's that at? Where's where's all that stuff? Where I think it was like a comment or something you were reading where someone was like, I'm tired of all this gay shit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I'm How? trying to be tired, too. I'm, I'm trying to be fed up to death. I would like to have so much queer content that I'm sick of it. Enough. Enough with this gay agenda. But that's not where we are yet. Did we? I guess we... Did we even answer this question of queer baiting? So I think we just kind of went in depth more of what it is. Yeah, so then... that's so we basically covered the definition with a fucking supergirl tangent. But I mean, we understand why there are so many people with concerns around queer baiting. And it's really for some of the comments I've seen online where I feel like the hets are being a little uh, insensitive to the queer fans who are like, oh my God, this is queer baiting. Ah, I'm upset. And really, I feel like people need to realize that it comes from a place of fear and trauma from all the different shows and movies that have seemed to promise something and then it doesn't happen and you're super fucking disappointed. And if you're a queer watcher or enjoyer of anything, you're keenly aware that your representation, like the ability to see your life or anything that looks like your life is incredibly small. And so when you think it's happening, you're going to cling to that shit, you know, harder than you would cling to another piece of media. And you put a lot of weight, a lot of expectations on it, whether that's fair to the creators or not. It's just what it is. It's just what it is, which is why, you know, heck creators, when they do stuff like this, they have to be aware that there's going to be a certain amount of scrutiny placed on it because of how rare it is unfortunately for people to be diving into these into these types of stories and we can definitely acknowledge that killing eve as a story as a genre lies at the intersection of some potentially problematic tropes now we're not saying that they engage in these problematic tropes because we're enjoying ourselves however we recognize that there's a lot of them Uh (laughs) that they could if the writing fell off that they could fall into some bullshit like the bury your gaze trope or i like to call it the toxic gay trope i was trying to google to see what other people called it but toxic gay trope i essentially mean like oh this sexual deviant is also a life deviant (laughs) that's basically how Mm -hmm. i would sum it up and you've got like you know I don't know, everything from Basic Instinct to Oz with Christopher Maloney playing Chris Keller or motherfucking Talented Mr. Ripley. I mean, there's so many examples of this happening that it makes sense. And like most queer films that end up on the Oscar Oscar trail, I'm just sort of like, this is super problematic. Tragedy. But you know what? I actually feel about most of these queer film stories the same way I feel about slave stories, is that they're not actually made for the demo that they supposedly represent. And- Anytime there's a historical thing about being a person of color, it's really for white audiences. Just like anytime there's a fucking queer story about someone historical, whatever, it's really it's for, for head audiences, yeah. right? And so you end up losing out as a fucking queer viewer because you're like, this shit ain't for me. I feel like it should be for me, but it's not for me. Look at all these tropes. Oh, look how toxic it is. Oh, I can't. Can I tell my own story? No, I can't. Oh, hmm. All right. Say so, I guess. Right. Oh, and the last trope I was going to mention is like the obsessed and or delusional trope, which is pretty frequent with a lot of queer characters all through the 90s, especially 90s had a lot of them up until now. 
So we just want to say that we understand the the tension, the anxiety, the fears that surround this idea of villain Eve or villain and Eve being a couple. But just because they are not together officially as a couple and they may not i mean we don't know that's up to the writers we are still trying to be optimistic at this time that that is still the end game result whether they both end up down like thelma and louise like oh we're off the fucking cliff together or whether they kill each other we do believe that they will come back together for poignant purpose of some kind but we totally understand the anxiety that exists around the apprehension of what the writers are doing. And certainly if it feels like to people that Eve is suddenly not in love or Eve suddenly doesn't have any feelings for Villanelle, if you feel that way or you feel a fucking, you feel like someone's gaslighting you about that shit, just, just, just go back to season one when you need to and look at those relevant scenes. And then furthermore, furthermore, just look at this fucking season. Remember the O's at the door that literally happened as the first time she got back to Villanelle. Come on. You cannot erase the door O's. You cannot erase her hopping on Nico's knob off some flowers. flowers some fucking flowers. And she knew who got those flowers. Okay. She literally has not had sex a single time. And I, I invite everyone to fact check me. She has not had sex a single fucking time in this show that was not at the provocation of a Villanelle thought or action. Period. And just remember, what is that? Episode one, season one, when Eve is oh, talking yeah. to Nico. Oh, I forgot. Let's let's try to have sex. <laughs> I'm, uh, knackered. I'm knackered. I'm knackered. <laughs> thank you. Oh, thank God. <laughs> so that's cool. And so we understand your stress. We're right there with you. But Villanelle is a canon queer character. She's either bisexual, pansexual, likely homo romantic, as confirmed by Jody and a few other people who have talked about villanelle's likely preferences for romantic entanglements or sexual entanglements and so you can't queer bait when there's an actual queer character on the show it's just that this queer character is not with the character we want her to be and i maintain that eve is not straight because she is not walking the the street the the road (laughs) Uh, (laughs) of a straight woman she's on the zigzag she definitely she's on on that kinsey scale she's not straight as an arrow and that's okay even if she does not end up with villanelle I mean, she's doing herself a disservice, quite frankly. She's denying herself the O's that she needs. Has she not read the statistics? I I don't know. Villanelle may be Eve's Rose Tyler. I mean, who knows? And for people who are like, oh, it just can't be. She's been married her whole life. Uh, Google Clive Davis. Clive Davis is a producer. Clive Davis is, well, like, past 80 now. And he's a late-blooming bisexual. He had whole marriages and lives with people before he fell in love with a dude. And so it's possible to be a late blooming queer. It's totally possible. It's okay. But you know what, guys? When you're feeling down about the fucking relationship, just remember, we've come a long way since like, what did we say earlier? Tattoo. All the things you said, all the things you said. Being the queerest thing you fucking seen. Because there was definitely a moment in time for the older millennials where you're like, it was hard as fuck to get some queer content. And so you were literally consuming anything you get your hands on, anything, a music video, a short film, it doesn't fucking matter. I'm pretty sure when I was in high school, middle school, and I was just like sneaking places to get stuff, I saw every single thing that existed. And it was easy because you were like, I would like to see all the gay films. And they're like, here's 12. (laughs) And you're like, oh, okay. Is this for men and women? Okay, cool. Let me just take it all. Let me just watch it all. And I did. And so we've come a long way from then. And, you know, we could, we could be thankful that we are to this point where there's enough queer characters. Well, not enough. I'm, not let me take enough. that back. Not enough. There is a higher number of queer stories being visited by multiple people that we can have a totally toxic entanglement like Villanelle and Eve. And it's okay. And they may not end up happily ever after. And it's okay. 
Isn't that also a trope that all all lesbians want to have babies? No, they don't. No, they don't. Some of them want to kick babies like Villanelle. And that is okay. My sheroes. Okay. So what do we have up next here? Oh, in parentheses, psychopath as a hard limit. Hmm. Is, this oh, must be what the what the classification I keep saying that one of our leading ladies is a psychopath. We've well, it's had... interesting. I mean, just in general, like in the articles, Sally, the executive producer, other people, they just I'm seeing more frequently. They're like, well, Villanelle's a psychopath. Well, Villanelle's a psychopath. Well, you know, psychopaths. And yeah, it's what we were talking about before that there's no such thing as a hard limit for a psychopath in general. And it's kind of vexing to me at this point that we're seeing so many people just play fast and loose with the psychopath term, like they have masters and and doctorate degrees in mental health disorders or psychology that you you know need to study for years before you can try to have an informed position like Martin about right. whether or not someone is exhibiting these traits. But that's kind of what it is, is that for one, and you know, full disclaimer, we are not doctors, we are not therapists or anyone who is legally considered an authority on these things, but we can read. Right. We can read what's available. And just in general, I've always been super curious about just sort of like the the expanse of of the human condition. How depraved can a human get? Like what is the spectrum and how do people get on that spectrum? And so that being said, psychopathy and sociopathy is not a hard limit thing. Like they people aren't actually diagnosed as being psychopaths or sociopaths, but rather it's a spectrum of behavior. Either you're exhibiting psychopathic traits or sociopathic traits, or you're not. And I think it's arguable to say that depending on how we look at it, because it's a spectrum that everyone to a certain degree exhibits these things. Bit. It's just sort of like, to what degree? Right. Is it manageable? Are you able to right. Is it manageable? Exactly. with society and not be an imminent threat? You know? That idea of like, can you think about pushing someone off the tracks and not actually push someone off the tracks because you're that curious. And it's like, if for anyone who wants to put any of these labels on a character like an Eve or like a Villanelle, you'd have to either be telling me that there's no development whatsoever, except for realization of how dark and deep and twisted these characters are, or you're going to have to subscribe to the fact that yes, they're leveling up with each new experience that they have. And these experiences show them a little more of themselves that they probably didn't know existed with Eve. It's her noticing that she's not experiencing things the way she should. Um, with Martin telling Carolyn, oh, I had the one slide up and everybody cringed and turned away except for Eve. And it's like, oh, hmm. So she's still, she's. The murders still don't bother her. Oh, that's that's fascinating. And, and that's then, the thing that's weird, too, about some of the articles we've read is because some people have been casting Eve in this light as if she's got morality or virtue. And I'm like, bitch, where that at? <laughs> where the morality and virtue at? Where y'all getting that from? We've said episodes ago that the one that wanted to save the world was her friend Elena. It's not Eve. That's not what she wants to do. In the beginning, she was just fascinated with the fact that people were dying and she had a theory that it was one person and it was a woman who was doing it using the fact that she was a woman to get close to her marks and then killing them. She didn't see herself as a threatened situation because hello, she would never be in that position and she would never what undersell the uh, destructive force that a woman potentially could be and i mean the fascination wasn't to save the world to save the day it was just oh i kind of just want to see if i'm right and then that was really all she wanted and then she got that by the end of season one well you caught me and it's like oh hmm. right 
And then that's as far as that went. Yeah, so it's super interesting. I, I'm cautiously optimistic about the rhetoric used in some of these interviews, which we'll get into later. But I just hope that was just Sally talking fast and loose without any real basis. And she's not a primary writer. They did say co-showrunner, but it just seemed weird. I was like, well, I mean, we'll get to it, but they don't even seem to really know exactly oh. how they're fully defining their characters. And maybe that they never super anticipated to go past the first <laughs> or second season. They're like, okay, here we are. What are we going to do? But yeah, you know, so if we could be more careful about that, not being doctors or therapists or whatever, people with PhDs in saying, well, Villanelle is a psychopath and therefore she doesn't feel. Villanelle's a psychopath and therefore she can't love Eve. Villanelle's a psychopath and therefore she's faking. <sighs> There's no way for you to know how does, that. But how does that also make sense? How? Why would she fake alone? That's Amsterdam. She is not in front of anyone to perform. She's not in front of Constantine. She's not in front of Eve. She's literally looking at herself. So there is no actual reason to suggest that Villanelle is completely devoid of emotion or feeling when the show has gone out of its way in season two to show us that that's actually not the case. So, you know, psychopathy isn't a hard and fast rule. And even if it was, how could everyone be the same? No two humans are the same. So even if someone is exhibiting symptoms doesn't mean they're just like that other person I studied that exhibited symptoms. And I really don't find Villanelle that scary. I mean, I see, I constantly see the sentiment online. I'm like, she's not scary to me though. Uh, maybe it's because she's not pathological that we've seen. Outside of fucking bitches, like she'll right. probably try to fuck you if you have curly, dark hair. But outside of that compulsion she seems to have, where is it? Like, why would I be concerned? She's not fucking Ted Bundy. Right. She's not, not one of these fucking are. weird people that's like, oh, do you have on yellow shoes? Killing you. <laughs> you know, like she kills people because she's bored or they're annoying or for money. I mean, aren't those the three reasons we primarily see? Bored, money, annoying. And so that's not actually a kind of killer that scares me because I'm like, if you stay out of their fucking sphere, you're good. You don't. You're not going to be in danger. I mean, I would just be like, hey, do you want to eat first? Let, let's go eat. Offer her food. Tell her to go have sex. Something. Anything. I don't know. Right. And since psychopaths are thought to be, you know, or people on that spectrum, cold hearted, everything we saw about Villanelle and what she's been trying to do in season two should work against that idea. And to at least get us to this point that Martin seemed to be kind of implying in his thing, which is that it's a spectrum, that we know stuff, but we actually don't know anything. And science anyway is our best guess at this point. And so it's totally possible that our thoughts and ideas on psychopathy or sociopathy or, you know, personality disorders, mental health issues, whatever, will continue to evolve as we learn more stuff about the body and chromosomes and enzymes and genetics and the air and whatever can all combine to determine a person's behavior. So I don't know. I just want to throw that caution out there, especially when people are reading stuff. Like, none of these people just, the articles, too. They're like, so Villanelle's a psychopath. Although, it's really weird that some articles are like, so Villanelle's a sociopath. And I'm like, where did, no one in the, no one in the show has even used sociopath. Right. How do you, where did you get that? These did you just reviewers. decide? Did yeah. you decide? That doesn't make sense. That doesn't fit the pattern of behavior, let alone the actual narrative structure they've been crafting. But, all right. I mean, we could love, we can try our best to define things the way they fit our personal theories and explanations, but we also have to say that we're doing that. In my opinion, if one were to identify with such a label, then these things are what they should be subjected to. These are their, these are the limitations to their character. This is, they could go no further than to experience things at this degree because they're not identified as neurotypical. But it, that's a big difference in saying what they can do versus what they'll never be able to do. So you can't, they're no, 
There are no ultimately, like you said, there are no hard limits. Like they, there are no hard limits, or even look at Girl Interrupted. Like we were looking at scenes oh, earlier yeah. from uh, Lisa's final monologue um, to Brittany Murphy's character, R.I.P. And even in that movie, within that context, and Lisa to me, like we don't see Lisa kill a single fucking person, but one hundred percent, one hundred and twenty-five percent is Lisa a scarier person <laughs> and a more intimidating person to me than Villanelle? Oh. Because Villanelle's the type of bitch to slit your throat or to break your neck real quick and be like, but I'm done with you. Lisa is the type of person to rip your soul right. from your body. She'll leave you unread. <laughs> and then take that soul she ripped out and leave it in tattered pieces. So if in that movie we can see Elisa and Lisa's got hella issues, she's really just fucked up. And her thing is, I'm trying to push everybody else to the limit because I'm actually wanting someone to push me to my limit, which is what she has an exposition about at the end yeah. when, you know, she confronts Susanna and there's this whole thing and she's like, I'm tearing you down, I'm tearing you down. And then finally, Susanna rises up and she's like, bitch, let me tear you the fuck down. You don't feel shit and you're actually blah, 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 blah. And then it gets to her, right? And so that's the <laughs> that's the linchpin that says, hey, even if you have someone on the sociopathic scale like Lisa, who can be a complete and total tyrant to someone, a complete and total villain, she still felt. At the end of that scene, for that whole fucking story, supposedly, you know, based on actual women, types of women that exist, she wasn't completely devoid of feeling. That was the goal. Or that was the point to show is that, hey, here's a horrible person that you don't think has feelings, but she actually does. She's actually wanting for someone to make her feel something. And in many ways, I wonder if that is in part of why Villanelle is so obsessed with the step. Is that outside of actual pain and that pain accompanied with emotional pain is the most visceral thing she's ever felt in her life. So how could she not think about it? Now that is a way to think about <laughs> it. Just a thought. Just Which a is why she's probably like, hmm, maybe you need something to think about. And it's like, for all we know, she's been, Eva's been this agent an around danger or she's been an at crime scenes post danger she's been under duress she's look someone got shot near her maybe twice mm -hmm. three times but this is one of the first times that we're seeing right her with an actual wound and so we're gonna get to see this version of eve come season three so i'm excited for that because she knows how it happened right and she's always gonna think about who gave her that if she lives. Yeah, and so, I... Oh, yeah. sorry, go ahead. No, no. So it's going to be, yeah, a realization of pain. Maybe pain to pleasure. Maybe they'll be playing with this gap. Who knows? We could play the overthinking game, and that's what I... I know. <laughs> that's what I'm we trying, do. Yeah. Hey, you guys listen to this podcast. It's fucking two to three hours all the time because we overthink the shit out of stuff. But we're glad that you guys like to listen and partake with our overthinking because that's... I mean, as I'm like, let me get meta. Let me get more meta. Go even further, Candace. Go deeper. And I was just wondering because there's totally this thing there. There's that outlying thing of like pain and sensory stimulation and this idea of boredom and how does boredom translate into the physical, the tangible, um, lack of sensation, lack of the basic things that we can feel as quote unquote normal humans, excitement, fear, trepidation, nervousness, anxiety, whatever the fuck, we have to guess and wonder you know, based on what we've seen, that that is on a muted scale for both Villanelle and Eve. And for Villanelle, with exception of like the limited time she kills or does something that gives her that minor thrill, she's in the same boat as Eve where my life is generally boring up until I discovered you. Oh, I'm Eve. I've discovered that you exist in the world, assassin, and you're giving me excitement. I'm obsessing over this case. I'm looking at pictures. I'm just trying to figure it out because the whole thing excites me. And then from Villanelle's side, the reverse. Oh, you're looking for me? What's going on? This is, this is fucking interesting. <laughs> Who's this woman? 
Well, I mean, I'm loving the fact that it's like, I feel things when I'm with you. Do you feel things when right. I'm with you or right. do you feel things because of me? I think it's both. That's what I mean. That's what, that, okay, yeah, that's what I was getting at. I was getting at the compulsion for some people for any number of reasons, you know, to feel pain, to feel something. And so you are doing damage to your body because it is the physical manifestation of ultimately inner turmoil or lack of in a turmoil perhaps. And so if we have this thing with Eve, right? And let's do a call back to the first episode of season two when she's stabbing her hand with the pen. And if we want to go back even further, we can go to her sitting at the table or her desk uh, at home before Nico walks in and she pokes herself in the thigh. And if you recall that both times, there's not really an image or a, a facial expression on, on Sandra O's face that indicates she's actually in pain. She's right. doing these things. They look like they should really fucking hurt, but she can't feel it. She's fucking numb. And so if we try to take the same fucking perspective of Villanelle, who has essentially been numb her entire fucking life for one reason or another, the stab happens right when she's already feeling vulnerable. She's already feeling open. And this stab happens. She's like, holy shit. Simultaneously, I'm having this physical pain at the same time that I'm having this emotional experience and whether she she translates that to pain or something else, I mean, because the intensity and the actuality of feeling something supersedes the danger or like shitty aspect, toxic aspect that other people would be like, well, you stabbed me. And for Villanelle's like, you really made me feel actually the most I've ever felt. And I can't let that go. And for Eve, I want that to be the same sentiment, because regardless of how ridiculous she was, how bitchy she was, how rude she was to her girlfriend, she is in the same boat of wanting to feel, of wanting to have this completely visceral experience. And she just had it. <laughs> I mean, she's bleeding the fuck out. How does it, does it get more real than that? Okay, so aside from this sensory overload, aside from getting drunk off of wine, aside from what? Screaming and hiding under the bed. Mm -hmm. um, when she's poking herself and not reacting, when she's smashing into things and... Right, I mean, right, the bus stop. Right, and not really registering that she's doing this thing. What if we actually got the Easter egg of either she's dead or she's lying there shot? And it's really her lying there shot, and we just never knew that this woman just, she probably didn't even feel it. What if she's, because I, I'm thinking of a case in house where house is fascinated with this patient. Shout out to house. Could no. <laughs> be in like freezing cold temperatures or, free, mm -hmm. or like boiling hot temperatures. And she just could not feel it. Her body would, would not, you know, glands wouldn't react to do things to make you right. want to feel the sensations. Right. So if, you would just die if you were you, in a super cold environment, right, exactly. but not in so, pain. Okay. Right. So what if Eve is, who's been totally ignoring all the signs of, Hey, this is what danger danger's near you. You should be more concerned oh my God. with your danger. You just made me think of the fact that the most amount of physical pain we've seen Eve in prior to her gunshot is like the first episode when she wakes up and her fucking her arm, arm is, is asleep. asleep. Yes. <laughs> and, and what was the feeling? She's screaming. The feeling was the numbness because that's aggressive. And right. it's like, but once that passed, that's really it. We don't get anything from her. No, it's super weird. It's super weird. And so I think that realistically it could have the same bottoming out effect that Villanelle had. And, you know, there's a lot of discourse to be had on, oh, are, are both Eve and Villanelle deluded in a sense? And yes, partially at the very least. But I feel like they shared this tether in that way, that the reasons why they were reaching for each other, regardless of how incorrect their perspectives may have been initially of each other, it is for the same exact reason. You excite me you make me feel 
you make my life more interesting. Villanelle was was lying a little bit when she was like, no, she wasn't. She wasn't lying when she said the no, most interesting about you is me. But she's also the same woman who got those mugs for the champagne, the champagne. And she was like, these are fine, bitch. You're such a domestic hoe. Like, stop it. Remember episode five of the first they season? They compliment each other in this when way. When she tried to put the blade down, but she's like, well, I mean, you could do that if you want, but. You'll cut your nethers. Well, right. But and she thought about, well, will I? I, I guess I would. <laughs> like maybe all right so maybe i should just put this knife in and then she was held at knife point and she wasn't really afraid but she was more <sighs> what is the phrase i want to use she was more afraid of her being in the house with nico finding them two together right than her being hurt by pain like it didn't seem like even though Villanelle was the aggressor and was able to wrestle the knife from her and she was mm-hmm. like, I got you. <laughs> Besides the yeah. I'm, I was wet and cold, she was wet, wet she could feel. When I was what fresh out of high school, I wasn't like burning hot or freezing cold. I'd wear shorts in the winter and long johns in the summer. Like it didn't matter. <laughs> but when it was raining, I felt the rain because that was wet and wet I understood. Wet, you know, leads to That's interesting. weird sensations. So her being shivering like a wet poodle in the kitchen because she was wet. She knows wet. She probably doesn't know hot. She probably doesn't know cold. She was saying hot after the murder, but I don't think she really was overheating. I personally I ultimately think, think the spectrum of emotional experience that Eve has organically experienced is very small. Yeah. And because it's so whack, that actually allows a person like her to sit with an ego because there's no, there's no drama. There's no must, no fuss. If you're partnered with someone else, another type of dude, who is not a Nico, who is not just completely blase. And it's interesting to me that some people characterize Nico as just the good guy. I, you know what? I'm sorry. To me, characterizing Nico as just the good guy is like saying nice guys finish last and they deserve the girls. Oh, no. you mean like one of no, those No, but just nice being guys? a decent person, quote unquote, which is what? Not killing people makes you a nice guy? How does that How does that work for Nico? If your man isn't going downtown, what's really happening? Terrence, what is their pleasure being given? Have you noticed that no. Eve has always been <laughs> wet when she's felt <laughs> the most? No, okay. So you're about to go off on a Terrence no, Pilastri and yes, have another right, so note. This is a another Pilastri. email written in about you. All right. So yes, keep writing about me and how <laughs> wrong I am all the time. It's more than fine. But Eve was wet when she threw herself under the kitchen sink when the knife came up to her chest and was told, I'm expensive, and will you give me everything I want? Eve was wet when she was had the water run on her when she was screamed at, saying, I just want to have dinner with you. And that's when she had all of those sensations there as well. Eve was wet when she was in the tub, sitting there, motionless, <laughs> traumatized, because her phone kept ringing, and she knew it was Carolyn and MI6, and she well, was dealing with everything that she just That's an interesting escaped. suggestion that, like, the physical reality of something can help ground or center or bring her into the situation. Cause that seems like kind of what you're saying that like, she needs this physical stimulus or external physical stimulus to, to what? To be awake? Almost like, remember, no, no, remember, <laughs> wait, um, not Iron Fist. Is it Daredevil? Don't you dare no, bring up it, Iron Fist on this It's one of show. those shows. Is it Daredevil? It's not Daredevil. But Karen What's Page left? was there. No, she wasn't there. Karen Page is only no. on Daredevil or was, Jessica Jones. Wait, Fist. she was never it on was, Jessica no, Jones. No, it was Iron Fist. And it's, um, we had Typhoid Mary. Ugh, and she reacted, don't bring me back to my lost woman killer. to, remember she used to keep the water on mm-hmm. so that she could maintain. Uh, okay, okay, all right, okay, all right. I see where you're going. You're talking about Typhoid Mary and her like cycling through 
her fractured personalities, right? Yes. And the fact that one of the the one of the worst ones in terms of like the most violent was kept calm by water. Yes. I see. Well, I mean, the thing is, we go so meta and so detailed that we actually have no idea if any of the writers were bothered being as meta and detailed about like the psychological profiles of their characters. But that's certainly interesting because that's a real thing. That's a real thing that people can tether After due to external door, stimulus oh, with she water. She was screaming because she just missed Villanelle. She ran into the, the little cooler and grabbed the, the liquor and downed all of it to be like... I mean, I think that was her being a burgeoning <laughs> alcoholic. But you know what? Let's go with the palastri theory. I'm supporting you. And it wasn't until she, yes, saw the... If people are theorizing that Eve had on a bulletproof vest with that tight ass, it wasn't tight, but it was a thin, it was a thin cardigan she was wearing. If people are theorizing that and they feel secure, then you can say whatever the fuck you want about water and things. Because I'm just like, how people think Eve had on a bulletproof vest on that little thin cardigan she was wearing. Do we not remember? Like Sandra O's thin framed. Remember that last vest she put on? She looked like a fucking box, a literal box, a package that you sent to UPS. We would know if she had a bulletproof vest. And quite frankly, if she had one on in that scene, it didn't protect her because there was totally a pool of blood. Uh, to help with the taste in which she started taking all of the uh, the Flintstones vitamins or whatever she was taking that Villanelle gave her. Those Advil, those yeah. Aleve. <laughs> and then as she drank, you know, the tears started falling from her eyes. And it's like, oh, again, budgeting alcoholic. But still, it's like, I don't know, the wet... I'm going to have to look back now at just traces of when she's not dry. You work on that thesis yeah, statement. I'm like, see, we're, I mean, we got a whole, what, eight to 10 months before we get any <laughs> validation on any of our wild theories whatsoever. Oh, I think the last thing I wanted to mention when I was just thinking about psychopathy, sociopathy, everything in between, personality disorders, whatever, was The Hours. I mean, you know, The Hours is one of my favorite films out there for a number of reasons. The script is fantastic. It's got multiple bitches. In that film, I love. At the time, I was like, wait a minute, let me get this straight. Are you saying that Nicole Kidman, Meryl Streep, Julianne Moore? Julianne Moore. And at the time, for my my baby self, Claire Danes, you know, who I had been watching since she was on My So-Called Life. Like, it was like, it was like, okay, all these women. And there's more women in there, tons more women. And then, of course, Ed Harris. But it was fucking brilliant. And that scene at the, if you guys have seen The Hours, there's a scene at the train station with, Nicole Kidman, who's playing Virginia Woolf, where she's having a discussion with her husband. She's run the fuck out. She's trying to go back to the city. And there's a discussion about the state of her mental, her mental capacity and whether or not she's being safe. And I just want to play that really quick because I feel like it kind of applies to what my issue is with this whole sort of like correction slash musing really about Villanelle and her supposed diagnosis as just a straight, polarized, black and white psychopath. There is no such obligation. No such obligation. Exist. Virginia, you have an obligation to your own sanity. I've endured this custody. I've endured this imprisonment. Oh, Virginia. I am attended by doctors everywhere. I am attended by doctors who inform me of my own interests. They know your interests. They do not. They do not speak for my interests. Virginia, I could... I can see that it must be hard for a woman of your... Of what? Uh, of my your, what, exactly? Your talents... To see that she may not be <laughs> the best judge us. of her own condition. Who oh, then is a better judge? All right, I'll pause it there for a second. And so basically what's always gotten me about this scene and I find incredibly intriguing is just an idea I thought for myself is that who in reality, like who's better to diagnose themselves and what they're capable of or not capable of than the actual person existing 
in those actual shoes. And this is always just such a great scene, so well acted, so well written, just all the things. But it really gets to the heart of what I'm trying to get at with Villanelle is that ultimately it's not Eve's place to tell her what she does and does not feel, nor is it her place to, with any kind of authority, say, this is what you are capable of and not capable of. This is what you think about and don't think about, which is kind of what happens in the final scene where Villanelle is desperate as hell. and She's doing her best in her way to show Eve that she feels genuinely for her. And again, we can all have different definitions of love. And I do think love is the definition changes from person to person because it totally depends on what's happening with you, what you've learned, what you grew up with. But Eve, you don't have a right. And in that same similarity, neither does Carolyn or anyone else because at the end of the day, you can say, well, Villanelle's a psychopath and so. But no, if we see things that say, this bitch can cry, this bitch can feel, this bitch can be sad, this bitch can be lonely, this bitch can be jealous, this bitch can be... Like there's, that's literally the definition of the human condition. Whether or not... It is in spades or whether or not she's doing problematic things or people are ending up dead. That's something else entirely. But to say that the bitch isn't firmly rooted in the human condition of emotional experience is ridiculous because that is what the writers decided to show us in this season, too. And so this, I, you know, I just it was just something I was ruminating on because I really love the scene and I felt like it was relevant, relevant to what's happening with Villanelle and all the conjecture currently happening online about, well, are you sure? You know, she's just a psychopath. And so what if I was thinking clearly, Leonard? I would tell you that I wrestle alone in the dark, in the deep dark, and that only I can know, only I can understand my own condition. Boom. So that actually applies to Villanelle and Eve at the end of the day. Yes. That they are wrestling in the deep dark of their psyches, whatever the fuck that looks like. And only they, only they themselves can know the depths of whatever. That's it. That's fucking it. And if we look at Villanelle's reaction and we try to compare that with, okay, she, okay, Amsterdam, for instance, the thought that Eve potentially was not thinking about her anymore, had moved on, lost interest, did not actually care about her, sent this bitch into the throes of ridiculousness. She was having a breakdown in the bathroom that she was like, oh my God, this breakdown is actually a breakthrough because it's happening. How does it not then become obvious the reasons why she would shoot outside of the obvious reasons why she would shoot Eve, where if you suggest that Villanelle is the most vulnerable she ever has been in the show, she's here desperately calling out for Eve to be like, just please come with me. And at that same time that Villanelle is having this epiphany for the past week or two, because it hasn't been that long. Not it's that been long. two weeks. A fucking epiphany after epiphany where she's like, I can feel, I can feel. And this is intense. And imagine how intense it must be for a Villanelle who was muted the entire time. That every time she's around Eve, what, does her skin come alive? Does whatever, all the things you might imagine of our five senses that create feeling. And then at the same moment that she's this visceral, I just watched you kill a bitch. I just had a fucking O. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so elated. Is this it? Have I found my twin flame? And then as you're experiencing these things, these authentic things for you, for the first time, you got to have a bitch look you in your face and say, you don't feel shit. And furthermore, you don't understand it. You don't know what this is. And you got to hear that from a bitch that don't even know what the fuck's going on in her life. Like, you can't, like, that's not how, like, you cannot expect for her to be like, okay, just pivot and walk out on me, bitch. No, no, no. Which is why I see it two ways, two fucking ways, where she's like, bitch, you're going to have to feel what I feel because I feel like this will help clarify things for you. But then also it could be, I feel so much pain right now. It is not possible for me to go on. So let me try to end the thing causing me the pain. Anyone who's gone through heartbreak, y'all know what that is. Right? Like, <laughs> uh, okay, because it hurts. It does hurt. And I'm going to go with the former versus the latter, even though both 
fit. Both definitely fit. Both profiles fit. What was my want, former again? The former is um, I. This helped me feel all the things. So this oh right, is yes, help yes, you yes. That's my primary, but yeah. it could be a combination of both too. Like I want to help you feel all the things, but also I need to stop what's happening right now because I mean. Like I just said, anyone who suffered heartbreak knows that it is all-consuming pain for a time. Like, you get over it eventually, but in that moment, you're like, oh, my God, my world is crashing down. What is the point of anything? Can I leave this room? Can I move? I don't know. I'm depressed. I'm fucked up. And all of that would have been hitting Villanelle one time. How are you going to have a bitch dealing with depression who's never dealt with depression? Well, I'm here <laughs> to remind you <laughs> of the mess you left when you went away. It's not fair <laughs> to deny me of the cross I bear that you gave to me. You, 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 I don't know. Indeed. Well, she knows now. Indeed. Flashing back to awesome ass Alanis Morissette. Ugh. Anyway, that was probably like the longest correction we've ever done. <laughs> that wasn't even about a correction. Whatever. Um, be easy. And just because Villanelle is quote unquote displaying psychopathic tendencies does not mean you should be rude to a bitch. That's all I'm saying. You should still yeah, be nice. You should still that. be polite. Right. You shouldn't cut a bitch in line at the bathroom. Be kind to one another because you don't know what kind of breakdown you never know. or you breakthrough never know. someone's going through. Exactly. You just might be ahead on the chopping block. Like I just, I wouldn't chance it personally. Uh, so what, what do we have here? Uh, uh, was this clarification on how Eve will be unlikable? I mean, a I lot of people was like, asking about that. A lot of people don't like her already, especially not after <laughs> this episode. I mean, but we there are a lot of people mad at you. Kind of been yelling at Sandra Oh, and the hashtag episodes. like, "Well, damn, <laughs> <laughs> this is different from season one." Um, yeah, some people were asking us about that. Oh, how will Eve be unlikable? She'll be unlikable because she won't be a villainelle, and that's a real petty ass reason. But that would be my reason. Well, I mean, part of the problem is Eve is yet to commit. We thought that this season we would see her commit to a side, the good or the bad. And for right now, she's temporarily committing to the false good. And I say false good because, bitch, you ain't good. Bitch, you ain't, you ain't do all. nothing. You've saved no one but your girlfriend who you're now walking out on. How does that How does that make sense? I don't know. It doesn't make fucking sense. But if they keep Eve, if they decide to be like, well, Eve has decided that she's indulged her sapphic interest for now. And now she just wants to be uh an agent <laughs> i don't know but even when they suggest that it's like an agent doing what finding whom your specialty quote unquote the reason why carolyn hired you is because you can find women killers and it seems to be that women killers for reasons that we all talked about throughout the season can blend easier oh, than male yeah, assassins so eve if you're not searching for women assassins and or working with one as a handler what the fuck is you doing working for the government uh, you're probably not working nothing for the government. you're not you're fucking not. You're right. So, I mean, that's what we think. We There's ways to make Eve likable again. And for people who are like potentially thinking, well, you know, Villanelle is the one with the questionable moral behavior. Uh, it's a matter of opinion. And also, like we said last episode, we, we've, we've accepted this about Villanelle. We came into the show knowing she was like this. And we have loved her even more for it. Eve, on the other hand, has been oscillating back and forth. Actually, that would make her unlikable, too, if she's still lost in the throes in season three. Like, girl, figure it out. Either you're trying to be with Villanelle and ruin your life, or you're not. I think they're going to give her uh, a better profile. I think that they're going to probably say that she has something wrong with her. If it's the thing where I'm saying where she can't Like a personality feel, disorder? Or, or, yeah, where it's like, was it the dissociative? Um, because I feel like there was... 
The Eve that stabbed Villanelle was different from the Eve that pulled the knife out. <laughs> the Eve that stabbed Villanelle was a different. Oh, well, yeah. But, you know, that's true. But it also, I mean, depending on how you look at it, it can play into what people claim are sociopathic tendencies versus psychopathic tendencies, where if we go based on that, some of those, you know, light qualities, it does appear that they have those contrasting things because psychopathic traits are like, oh, you're 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 planning things out. You're not necessarily impulsive in a way that says, I haven't thought about this, where for sociopathic tendencies, it's like you're hot headed, you're reacting to this and maybe regretting it in a moment or in a sense, I'm doing which is totally extreme and violent. Oh, wait, I did that. Oh, no, it wasn't me. It was someone else. And that's totally another sociopathic trait to be like, I did this awful thing. It's your fault. You did this. You ever see those killers with the axe no, that's right. like, I'm killing you right now. Look what you made me do. And you're like, OK, sociopathic person, you're axing me right now and saying, look what you made me do. That is fucking weird. Why do I have to be so confused <laughs> as I fucking die? I'm not making you do Phil shit. now knows about this other person in I guess Eve's other personality and maybe that's who she was reaching out to with the bug where she was like I think it's time for you to go oh my play. god I fucking I know <laughs> I can't it's me and my Palastri oh my god Terrence Palastri Terrence Palastri like, don't talk. <laughs> and then in the morning oh good morning and then here goes uh he just made somebody mad like, who's hey, listening to this right now <laughs> how's it going and she's like why are you asking me how's it going like I'm not saying that she doesn't know what I, she does, I'm but so what if all of those right left on red moments is her really just like, is that something I just did? Like, I, I feel like you just went to the most ridiculous place. Like, you know what it made me think of? And this is a deep poll. Not sure if anyone listening to this has ever seen an episode of Meryl's Place, but <laughs> <laughs> you already know who I'm thinking about Meryl's Place, the redhead, Marsha Cross, who played Dr. Kimberly Shaw. And I'm, I'm absolutely certain at this point in time, anyone could watch that show and be like, wow, <laughs> this is beyond problematic and insensitive towards people with any kind of personality disorder. But I feel like that's where you're trending, where that bitch was legitimately like, I'm a maid today. I'm doing these things. I'm a Stepford wife this other day. I'm a biker chick this other day. And they are completely separate personalities that do not interact with each other because of a fracturing of the human mind that so happened. Are we trauma. not? on the road to a fracturing of the human mind. Hell no, because to me that would say that Eve does not, that she's not cognizant of what the fuck she does. And she is, she's just a blamer, which is why I can see why people are like, oh, she's trending towards sociopathy because this bitch literally has her hands on everything, on everything. I'm doing this, I'm a control freak. This is what happens, this is what I'm doing. And then the shit, the consequences come and she's like, who made me do this? (laughs) You, you Carolyn, 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 you betrayer. Villanelle, you evil fucking bitch. You caused this. Like, that is some straight delusion, Yeah, It's a little bit wild. <sighs> you cost me my virtues. Bitch, you don't got <laughs> not a single virtue to your fucking name. Oh, no. All right. Oh, I guess this last thing here, it's not really a correction, but maybe clarification, whatever. It's under corrections. And it's just the the articles that we were looking at. And we know we were hinting at some things that we read or whatever that people were saying or, you know, the the powers that be, the producers and such involved with the show had said some stuff that we were like, oh, that's that's interesting. That we weren't expecting that take on it. And so one of the things that brought pause from the Hollywood Reporter article was this interview with Sally Woodard Gentle, who is a co-showrunner and executive producer of Killing Eve. So one of the questions were, despite how much of a fan favorite coupling the pair are, Eve realizing that Villanelle wanted a broken, damaged version of her was a powerful moment. 
Was that a big revelation for Eve? And what does it change in her head? Sally replies to this question, Yep, yep, I really think that's what it was. That was something that Emerald really worked hard on with Damon and with Sandra and Jody to sort of make that moment feel as real and as immense as possible because that's the difference between being a psychopath and being a human being. Whoa! That's, that's not the end of her that's... sentence. That's not the end of her sentence, but it got me vexed, B. That's the difference between being a psychopath no. and being a human being? In your opinion. Holy shit! In your un... Uh, Holy uh, in your fucking shit! Opinions? Look at the waveforms. <laughs> I yelled really loud, but uh, I'm upset at that. Maybe it she, bothers me. She she don't. I don't like got that. Her plaque or degree. She she's I don't not, like it. She's not the one that should have been saying it. I don't think uh, she should renege that statement. So a psychopath, quote unquote, which again, no one is diagnosed as being an actual just straight up psychopath, but having certain traits and personality disorders, they're not human. Since <sighs> when? And just to finish her sentence, she's like, and I think that's quite existential. That's a huge moment to realize that you're actually layered, complex, and no way near as reductive as Villanelle has fantasized that she is. And I would love to hear you guys Eve's think about it. I just don't. That I just, all. that's not how the scenes play to me. That's not even. And many people. First off, I'm wondering if this question was a trap. Because if someone were to ask me as someone who is not running the show, this very exact question, despite how much of a fan favorite coupling the pair are, Eve realizing that Villanelle wanted a broken damaged version of her was a powerful moment. Was that a big revelation for Eve? Well, no, that's what Eve leaned towards in that moment because she felt that was what other people wanted of her, all of her users, I'm guessing. Cause I kept saying that somebody wanted Eve I said Carolyn specifically wanted Eve off center. Like she wanted her to like almost always have the rug under her. So she wouldn't go on her, I don't know, her discovery kick and want to ask all these ridiculous questions that she would never get answers to. Cause Carolyn's not the type to answer questions. And I was trying to figure out as to why. And it was, well, because her little plan would have gotten in the way of her big plan. So, uh, her with all of that smoke that she should have for Carolyn and then dumping it on the one person that's trying to care for her in her time of need was rude. Ultimately, it was just as rude as being stabbed in the side. Like they were in the bed in the end of season one. So I would have been like, your question is invalid personally. That's what I would have said. Doesn't mean I'm an expert on what was going on. It's just right. What also uh, caught my attention in this article is a couple questions down. It's asked, quote, let's talk about that seemingly massive reveal in the cold open. How did you decide that's how you wanted to cement Aaron Peel as a true sociopathic killer? Again, what is is going on? A sociopathic killer? Because I watched the entire episode and I didn't see him kill anyone. Firstly, I didn't see him kill anyone. Right. He's an enabler of murders, which I guess Charles Manson style where you just orchestrate and pull strings but my whole issue is like the use of sociopathic literally no one in the show has used sociopathic to describe Aaron Peel did you just decide to disregard was actually in the fucking show because the only thing that's used potentially to diagnose Aaron Peel is psychopathic that is the term we hear from Martin and from Eve and I want to say Hugo probably to a certain extent because he's out there like oh look at they're getting pretty chummy so this is again me yelling at this reporter this interviewer who's asking a question that i ultimately think is bogus it's like you're pulling words out of your ass like why when and we just discussed how sociopaths are supposed to be a little more hot-headed that's not aaron aaron is cold and calculating like villanelle which i thought was the whole point of the twin flame thing and so i'm just confused but sally doesn't correct 
the reporter or say, well, actually, there's a distinction. She just answers it by saying, we really wanted a moment that just showed how much of a dangerous boy Aaron truly was. And quick, um, quick note, quick note, quick note. Men like him are obviously dangerous. It's the yes. same fucking reason a bitch looks behind her back when she's walking home alone on the street. Men in general, just in general, are right. super dangerous to women by existing. And now you want to tell me she got a super rich dude, a super rich white dude who's out here in the paint, destroying actual lives for fun and peeking in on people, but you needed to do something else to show me that he was a bad boy. You actually didn't. Yeah, the, you didn't. I mean, in, in a sense, it was overkill because we already theorized that he was a murderer. He was a, doing bad things and he already orchestrated his father's murder and other people, his secretary, whatever the fuck. So of course he's capable of that. We didn't actually have to see him commanding some off-screen goon to kill a bitch to be like, oh, Aaron, he deserves to die. Like, no, they gave us a sufficient amount of reasons already. That could have been, that entire opening could have been in the cutting room floor. We didn't need it. Not even the two minutes. All of that before the title car killing Eve. Like, the point was already made. So we didn't need any of that. It could have really began with, good morning, how'd you sleep, like a baby. That could have been the beginning of this episode. She continues with her sentence saying, we'd had a conversation about whether there's actually anyone more dangerous than Villanelle and what that might look like. Um, what? I don't understand that. Like, wh it, what? what? <laughs> no, really, I don't understand that. I'm, I'm a little lost at the characterization of, like, violence in the world. There's a question of who's more dangerous than Villanelle. Lots of people. Doesn't Villanelle automatically become more dangerous if she's compulsive? She likes to eat, but we have not seen her display compulsive, murderous behavior. Beyond Aside from episode one. <laughs> episode one when she had to get rid of the witness and he was she was told make it look like a suicide and then she got a lady boner and oh, accidentally but, see, but I, what i mean by compulsive is i don't mean her d disregarding what other people say to get a kill done i mean that she has to kill like what we've seen about profiles of other serial oh. killers who are generally men they're like it's right. been a month i need my kill this fix. this memory isn't working for me anymore yeah. this idea i've been staring at of this woman i marked isn't working so i need another one and you know there's plenty of killers who've been like that they just they keep going and they there's a template of person they're trying to kill and there's something they're trying to discover or figure out or get to the end and they can't because that's part of the pathology is you will never get satisfaction and so you're just gonna keep going until someone catches you we don't see that with Villanelle at all yeah it's really just her disobeying the fact that people are saying do it no. this way and she's like right. no I, I can have more do fun like doing it this other way or you know what you failed your evaluation so you don't get the next postcard oh I'm gonna just hug you and steal this postcard to do the kill anyway in and out <laughs> I don't know who's writing the article. They're like, with Aaron dead, the woman faced on Raymond, it seems like a twisted sort of girl power moment. I just, I just, this I'm is, about to close off this article like I didn't already read it already. This is not a great article. The questions aren't that great. Mm -mm. And the answers are even, even They're worse. weird. They're a little weird. So I would have concluded this interview a long time ago. But as far as answering the question about uh, massive digital oversight and revenge porn and what Aaron could be and represents we know what he was and then what's challenging what's annoying is the um you can't have another male major figure be evil anymore after aaron because aaron was basically the level of like the purple man where it's like he's in your head and no one believes that he's doing all the things he could do or he has all this reach and pull with his money oh that's more kingpin than purple man oh and my it's god like, you and your marvel references someone right now it. is really mad <laughs> I have to if do If they it. don't watch Marvel. But it's like, after this, there are no more men that you can... You topple the man. There are no more men that can topple you now. So it's like, 
now all your villains are going to be women. And I don't know if I'm going to be in love with that yet because I don't want to see women take other women down. I don't want to see that. I, I'm not into that. This article sucks. <laughs> it definitely does. Because look, after facing someone like Aaron Peel, what other man is going to have you shook with fear? They tried it with Raymond, but Villanelle wasn't shook with fear about Raymond. I just don't know why Sally interchanges sociopathic and psychopathic when talking about Villanelle. Can we just get some consistency? Let me just click off this shit. I, I'm, I'm abandoning whatever was going to be said about this article because yeah, it's was, just making me no mad. Fruit. There was no fruit. To be There's had. no fucking truth. I guess I'll just highlight what Sandra O oh said. Just to, because we mentioned before, guys, that it seems like most people involved with the show are up in the air about what's going to happen with our girls, where they're going to go in the future, what is Villanelle's thought process when she shot Eve, what can we expect? Basically, they don't really fucking know. And this was, here's some words from Sandra O oh about it that is in an Entertainment Weekly article, if you guys want to check it out. Title being, Killing Eve Finale, Sandra O oh Breaks Down Eve and Villanelle's Shocking Moment. So she goes into some detail about the season and Eve's thoughts and what to expect for season three. So one of the questions asked of Sandra O oh in this article is, Villanelle doesn't necessarily want her dead or she would have shot her multiple times. This felt somewhat like a child acting out when she doesn't get what she wants. Maybe a bit of, quote, if I can't have her, no one can, end quote. How did you interpret this action? And Sandra O oh replies, honestly, that interpretation can only be explored in the third season. Hence, I don't know. I totally understand that question because even as the third season is forming, that is a question. What was Villanelle thinking at that moment? Was she really wanting to kill her? Was she not? We have not yet decided. I will say the blood is coming from a certain area, and I think that we may move that around. The area of the shot. Laughs. All that stuff is really being creatively decided right now. What is the meaning of where she shot her? Obviously, it's somewhere in her back and in her body, but where it is and how close to the kill, I want to answer this question next year. I have an idea, but we haven't shot it yet. So this is one of the answers from Sandra O oh that I saw in the article. I was like, okay, so they don't really know. This is a much better article. <laughs> it's a much better article with Sandra O. Oh. The only thing that has me sort of curious is like, they talk about Eve like she's a stable hoe. And I'm just like, she ain't. They talk about her like she's a good person. And she ain't. They talk about her like she's just been straight up manipulated about Villanelle. But that's not what was shown on screen. So what is the truth? The truth is we're going to have to wait for season three. Oh, I found that season uh, Killing Eve season two stumbled where Barry's sword article. I just don't know how they can use phrases like obviously, but then be like, we don't know where season right. three is going. Yeah. It's like they want to say things that they can't say. I feel like it's uh, self-editing, but out loud. I mean, yeah, I'll try to go with your ideas of, oh, they just they got to throw people off and, and be weird and not be as giving because... I would just not like for the characters to end up being less complicated than I've devised them to be in my head and more simplistic. Like, well, you know, Eve, she's just a straight girl. She needs a little excitement. She sees this hot assassin. She's like, could I be a killer? I can't be a killer. And now what? Because what is that show? I don't want to watch that show. I'm just being honest. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather watch The Adventures of Villanelle because I, I mean, I've watched procedurals like forever. I love cop shows, murder shows, whatever. But I'm just sort of like, they have to know. I mean, they've been correctly saying that, hey, you know, season three, you got to keep the shit fresh. Yeah, we do. We do. How are we going to keep that shit fresh for season three? Unless, of course, you decide what the fuck you're doing with Eve. Either Dark Eve rises or you're back to this bullshit of, well, you know, actually killing Raymond has snapped her back into reality. No, that can't be it. <laughs> 
Anyways, let's move the fuck on because whatever. I mean, we'll link some of these articles maybe on the Insta or some other place. Maybe Twitter. We'll just tweet them out. One, two, three, four, five, six. And then you guys can read them or not. Ignore them. Because if you want to keep your bliss, since they're still so confused, you could just ignore the shit out of their articles too. And that'll fucking work. Uh, you definitely will be happier to not read the gibberish. All right. So on to our revelations. It's revelations. Killing Eve. Revelations. <laughs> Yo, did that really just fucking happen? I'm dead. First one up is you. Okay, what do we have here on the revelation side? Oh, mm, uh, Eve is probably playing dead a la Hugo's hero's technique. Um, yeah, Sandra said that she's not playing dead in the article we just read. Oh, so... <laughs> That's more than fine. Like, so <laughs> she destroyed your revelation. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I was actually going to destroy it too. Cause I was going to be like, how are you going to play dead to an, an assassin? I mean, I got to do is check a motherfucker's pulse real quick. Look at the pooling blood, but Sandra O destroyed your revelation. First, oh, she so. sure I'm did. sorry. Yeah. She took the wind out of my sails and yours. We can move along. So what is this? Oh, this is my revelation. I mean, is it a revelation? I just thought I'd mention it because I was pondering it. I was pondering it with a friend. And it's totally true that Villanelle follows the path of many queer gabies just with an added dose of psychopathic behavior. And by that, I mean the trajectory that I found anecdotal or not, myself included, that for a lot of queer young people who are discovering themselves, sexuality, whatever, and maybe your first relationship, sexual relationship that's intense with someone is actually inappropriate in the sense that mm -hmm. that person is significantly older than you. Right. And tale when we look as old as time. Tale as old as, unfortunately, <laughs> tale as old as time. But it was one of those things I didn't realize until out of college where, because obviously when you're in it, when you're in it, you're like, I'm the shit. I'm fucking awesome. I'm so clever and cool. Of course, this person wants to date me, right. even though I'm 17 and they're 27, because yeah. why wouldn't they? I'm the shit. And I feel like that's what we're seeing with Villanelle. Like when everyone's like, remember Anna, even with Constantine, I'm like, Anna was the abuser. Anna was at least 20 years, 15 to 20 years, her fucking senior. That is the inappropriate relationship as Villanelle, theoretically, Oksana was coming to terms with her sexuality and exploring it. She was exploring it with an older woman who was seeking to manipulate, like you said. Yep, she was she definitely had the harem. She seduced me. How, right. how, how, how is a child seducing you? But whatever. So I just wanted to note that. I don't know if any of you other potential queer listeners out there thought about it, but it's just something that occurred to me. And, you know, I don't know if there's any actually queer identified writers on the Killing Eve staff of all the people who write for that show. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. Maybe it was just happenstance that this happened. But it's totally a thing where, at least for me personally, I'm looking back, I'm like, okay, think about high school, think about all the friends you knew who were who were queer and out in some kind of way. And I'm like, shit, every last one of us dated someone in high school that was definitely like, definitely not appropriate. Right. Because I, when I got, when I myself got to 27 and 28 and I looked back and I was like, would I date a high schooler? Because I totally, there totally was an intern. And one of the companies I was at, she was like 16, 17. She was cute, but she was a fucking child. And right. she was flirting so fucking hard, I couldn't see it. I was like, bitch, you're a baby. Get out of here. Like, go jump some rope or something like that. But, <laughs> and then it gave me some fucking perspective. It was like, oh, okay. Okay, so when I was 17 uh -huh. and 16, oh, dear. Oh, dear, dear, dear. That yeah. wasn't, oh, okay. Flashback. Uh, 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 uh. And then I think about my friends. And I'm like, oh, well, that was carb Like, okay. And so, you know, 
give Villanelle a fucking break. Is all I'm saying when it comes to Anna. Can we stop bringing her the fuck up? Like she's a great fucking template for. I mean, she's really not romance. She's not. Uh, we can move on to the next. That's that's it. That's all I had to say about that. Oh yes, uh, my line in season one that I wanted to bring up. I'm gonna find the thing you love, and I'm going to kill it. Uh, so that of course happens with the. Uh, smirking Villanelle after smelling the fact that Eva's not only in her wares, but she's in in her sense as well. And it's like, you're wearing it. Like, like I'm all inside your head right now. And it's, she just tried to say something to shake the the power dynamic and what she said didn't work. She was foreshadowing herself. Right, she foreshadowed herself. (laughs) And she really did walk away with knowing everything that Villanelle wanted and she did kill it. She was like, you know, you're destroying the mood. Which right, is what because she did. ultimately she was like, the fantasy, the thing that you want is this fantasy of normalcy and masquerading and having a wifey that you can cook for. Which, did you have to destroy it? Like, even if it's not you, Eve, did you have to take a bitch's fucking fantasy and rip it from her fucking hands? That was unnecessary. Was rude. You ain't have to do that. That was fucking rude. If you cannot find happiness with Villanelle murdering people in a cabin in Alaska, then let that bitch find happiness with another hoe. That's all I'm saying. Another murderous hoe. But, you know, yeah, that's totally it. The thing that she killed is Villanelle's fucking U-hauling to Alaska fantasy, which, as we said, was rude. Ooh, I like your uh, your revelation. Yeah. Okay, so (laughs) is it a revelation? But then sometimes you read comments from the heads and you're like, oh, maybe it is. So, (laughs) yeah, uh, Carolyn, I mean, I've said this before. I've said on the Twitter, I don't see how this is like, even a confusion there was someone who had tweeted some weeks ago that you know the hardest role for fiona to play was like a believably straight role and i retweeted that or quote tweeted it and i was like but carolyn's not straight (laughs) she's queer and if you can't read into that body language that body language between her and julia like come the fuck on how else do we explain her knowledge of what was going to go down (laughs) with Villanelle and Uh Eve. Because really what the season finale tells us, she so accurately predicted their gay drama and their bullshit and their nonsense. And the fact that they would completely disregard everything everybody fucking said just to be near each other and to do some fuck shit. She was like, I see where this is going. I know about these lesbianic activities. I know what they lead to. So, because here's the thing, Carolyn was thinking about using Eve and manipulating that hoe and her relationship to Villanelle prior to her stabbing a bitch. Yes. Because things progressed too quickly between Carolyn calling five minutes after the fact, I know where you are, Eve, come back home, (laughs) to as soon as Eve gets home, she's like, we have a case. We have this thing. And she'd already been discussing it with whoever the fuck she was discussing with Julia, whatever boss, whatever was going on. And so it was like, yeah, girl, she was playing you for boo-boo to fool. She literally saw what was happening. I mean... I want to say almost immediately because Carolyn's so smart. I feel like she was like, I sense <laughs> this in you. I sense that not only are you curious about the murder, but it gets you going, actually. And if we can confirm that this bitch is a, is a good looking bitch, I, I think you're lost to the world. And that's what <laughs> fucking happened. That's what happened. She was like, this is a ghost face. I don't know what this bitch looked like. I'm just wondering about it. I just wonder what does she look like? And then when she realizes after episode one that she's met her, she oh, I think I've met her. She was done. Like she said in the fucking, um, what was it? The description interview where she was trying to describe Villanelle to the sketch artist. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, it's because she'd features. been ruminating all fucking night. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, that's that's the revelation for anyone who has not 
felt that it was revealed that Carolyn is clearly queer and that is how she manipulated the power of the gay, spelled G-H-E-Y, with Villanelle and Eve to get what she wanted. So we're not going to see that until season three where we have a female member of her rotation pop up in her Oh my wonderful God. House. If anyone from Killing Eve bothers to listen to this podcast ever because you're just mildly curious about what the fuck people are saying, I beg of you, add a woman to Carolyn's rotation, please. You know people out there want to shmang Fiona Shaw. Don't play these games. Do not play these games. Do it. Make it happen. Make it Julia. Make it anybody. Just make it gay. Okay. Oh, wait. Isn't that a line from the producers? Make it gay. Make Make it gay. gay. (laughs) Make it gay. All right. I need to stop. (laughs) But it's nearly dawn again. So you guys know the last time we turned up a little bit when it was this late and it's happening. Oh, I guess this sub 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 revelation we covered it. It was just like Constantine probably argued because Constantine does not have the full revelations of the lesbianics the way Carolyn would probably being like, no, 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 Carolyn, you're totally wrong. My girl's a pro. And Carolyn was like, Constantine, you have no idea what you're talking about. Trust me, it's going to go exactly as I said. And she was right. Oh, man. By the end of what? The second episode, he had rolling on his car. Listen to your heart. <laughs> <laughs> he was probably like, yo, that bitch Carolyn was right. How God, is she right, though? It. Fuck. Oh, I guess the last thing, the last revelation here is just our bingo card wins. Oh, so did any of you guys play along with the bingo card? And about it, and about it. Did you guys get your bingo? Was there bingo to be had? I feel like there was. I feel um, like there were at least two. All right, so well, I'll go down the B's first, and you can take the eyes. Okay, so B, first square was couples murder baptism. Well, that <laughs> happened, and it was beautiful. It was amazing. I guess something's wrong with me because I would like to see more murders like that. But again, just the idea of two murderous bitches in love just going on to murder and do what they want. It does please me. It does intrigue me. I would like a show like that. Please and thank you. Okay, next but square. Why is it wrong? That's all I want to If know. it's wrong, I don't want to be right. That's all I'm saying. Um, okay, second B. Carolyn's plan revealed. Yeah, that happened. And, mm-hmm. uh, yep, all of that. Next one is Dark Eve Rises. Ugh, temporarily. Mildly. Yeah, a little. It wasn't what I wanted, so I'm not, even gonna give, I'm not even going to give us that because it was a temporary, it was like a cameo, Dark Eve, if that. And she was still unsure of herself in a certain kind of way. So, eh. Um, under that, we had Constantine strap block attempt. And as I said in the last oh, episode, that was definitely there. That totally happened. The little itty bitty gun, 22 caliber. Oh, yeah, strap block. Congratulations, Constantine, you son of a bitch. And the last one in the bees, your mind, said by Villanelle. Well, uh, <laughs> not the Ooh. way I wanted it to go down, but well, still, I got what there. I wanted. I did say I wanted that, and they gave it to me, so. Onto the eyes. Onto the eyes. We are first eye. It says uh, Eve Edge Snatch. And when will there not be? That's why I left on the card. Edge Snatch. Always an Eve Edge Snatch. Woo! All right. Okay. Under that is a villain Eve kiss. Mm. We got a villain Eve cuddle. We didn't get a villain Eve kiss, unfortunately. Uh, Hugo is murdered is under that in the eye and I mean well we don't know what happened to that body we just oh, know it was I should have put Hugo is shot blood. but <laughs> <laughs> he was left and bled he's TBD we're gonna check that for now just in case oh that's so funny my love hurts video um, oh my Killing god Eve sent me here it's already getting traction <laughs> oh that's crazy all right um under hugo's murder is carolyn shade oh every episode she said don't be twee 
and I looked it up, and it's like overly cutesy, overly I like Carolyn on. See, this is why she won the spelling bee. Mm-hmm. Yes. She's out here using Tweed and Sisyphean. Girl, you are so fucking impressive. Uh, and that's just also me speaking to Fiona Shaw. You are so fucking impressive. <laughs> that's all I have to say. And then about we that. get at the bottom, we get love speech. I mean, we get more love musings where it's <sighs> like, you know, I can make you dinner. We got a we goddamn go love speech Alaska. from Villanelle. We did. It's going to be great. It's the don't most. Don't worry. It, I have the uh, money. You don't have to worry about work. I was like, Ooh. why are you taking me back to that <laughs> moment of, of despair? All right. Uh, so I, I guess I'll go to the end since we completed the eyes. First one is Peel Gets Dead. <laughs> that happens. Oh, that yeah. happens. It was a little anticlimactic, but it happens, and that's what matters. Second one is Hugo is a plant. Well, I mean, that was really for you. I feel like he still <laughs> he is. He could still be. He could still be TBD, just I like mean, his murder. Yep, that TBD. whole thing could be a, a setup. We'll we'll find Actually, out. it's a good it's it's interesting that you mentioned that because I was thinking to myself like if Carolyn was in contact with someone with the 12 negotiating, okay, we're going to not have you come in to fuck with Villanelle until Villanelle finishes what we want. Why did Shaw Hugo? Like, <laughs> was she literally like, I don't give a fuck about my agents, just, you know. I mean, he's just a bagman. oh my god okay um after hugo is a plan we got the free space of murder murder. and there were two murders this episode so that fucking works underneath then is actually one of the murdered people raymond yep yep that happened we saw him and he's dead and the last one is villainy fight and i'm we got that that we got got that but we did we did we We got got that. that it was epic all right, on to the G's. Uh, Villanelle eats something because, you know, she eats something every episode. Did we actually uh, see her eat this episode? I don't know. There was breakfast there. She said, like, I baby. can't remember if she, she actually said the chewed. She was good. I don't think we saw her chew. I don't think chew. we saw her chew. Fuck. We probably That's did not sad. see her chew. Mm-mm. Your mindset by Eve. Unfortunately, we did not get that. Unfortunately. Eve was too fucked up and discombobulated to talk about your mind. She doesn't even know what's hers about her own emotions. So, yeah, that mm. didn't happen. Also, Peel Collection cameo. Well, We kind of got that. Kind of, yeah. Because yeah. we saw Matilda and that wild theory that we saw on Twitter was just complete poppycock. Ugh. I'm still kind of annoyed that they didn't, like, why show us that and give us nothing else where that's concerned? Even if it was sort of like Eve and Villanelle are escaping and they run past a room where they hear, like, someone let me out or, you know, or something and they just let a right. bitch escape. Just let the bitch run through. Oh, my God, like Julian's I love mom. That, right. Like Julian's fucking mom. Just let the bitches run out. Kiss the girls. Open the door. Let them out before Miss Peely gets back. She's on her bullshit. You know right. she's on her bullshit. She probably gets enjoyment out of it, too. Fuck. Under anyway. that, we have Eve is a mess because when is she not lately? When is she not? She's always a mess, but she was especially a mess this episode. That and, works. And then at the bottom, we get Constantin Trolls. I don't know about Troll this episode. He he hurt feelings this episode. You know. can hurt feelings when you troll. Well, that is that is. I feel true. like he trolled her about her family. Oh, yeah, because she was like, what? What do you mean? Mm-hmm. Mm. And also when he laughed. When he was, when she was like, Raymond doesn't know where I'm at. And he was like, (laughs) (laughs) actually he does. So yeah, I'm gonna check that. Oh, it's back to me for the O's. Okay. Um, First one, Carolyn Snapple fact. No, I do not believe we got a Snapple fact. Unless the Snapple fact is Kenny knows. (laughs) Kenny's in on it. Okay. Second one here is Villeneuve team up. Yeah, we got that. We We knew we were going to get it basically. And we got it. And it was beautiful, full of touches, full of emotion, and full of heartbreak. Next one under this is Constantine Betrayal. Damn, we oh, sure enough got that. We sure terrible. enough got that, Constantine. Fuck. 
Under there? The 12. Yeah. Which, considering how few appearances have been made by the 12 this season, it's interesting that we got them in the finale. But since Raymond showed the fuck up and potentially whatever other goons were there, Russian goons, there were 12 goons. Which, no wonder. You guys need to get Villanelle back in the boldest because if those dudes in the hotel and their ineptness are indicative of the general talent of the 12 that isn't Villanelle, like, you know, um, what was that dude's name? That was with Nadia. Oh, uh, yeah. that I don't remember his name. Guy Somebody. Who kept touching her, calling her pumpkin or whatever. I'm just saying, if that's the level of, of skills that they generally have, how they could kill Villanelle is beyond me because it doesn't matter how unruly she is. She's a fucking professional. She deserves your goddamn respect. It'll cost them too <laughs> much promotion. money to bring in Villanelle. They might as well just... Uh, oh, because she's a premium? I, okay, but if you pay a premium, you get the you get what premium services get you. We can say whatever, plot moving forward. At the end of the day, those people at the hotel might as well have been assassin interns. Yep. How do you have a fo- How do you have a bed? Like you said, at least a foot. A foot of space between the bed. Just like, just regular, just regular. Oh, oh, You're oh, looking oh, for somebody. Oh, oh. You look for your keys. You look under the bed. You're looking for a whole ass human. He doesn't look under the bed. He's just like, oh, is there anyone in here? No. All right. Well, you know. <laughs> well, that's exactly what happened. He don't got a scanner. He don't got nothing. Ugh. And uh, the last awesome. one here Aww. is also very true. Villanelle strap blocks herself. She did. Uh, you know what? She did. She really, but she really I feel did. like the bird strap blocked her. <laughs> what strap blocked her? The, the bird. Birds. No, she those strap blocked herself. Birds. That bitch should have threw the gun when Eve wasn't looking. <laughs> or she when she was fighting with all those uh, planks of wood. Like, That's what I'm saying. When Eve wasn't looking, just Ooh. finding on the floor and be right. like, oh my God, look at this random gun in these Roman ruins. Isn't that weird? And Eve would have been like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I say she just tossed the shit away. Toss yeah. it away, girl. Damn. But she doesn't. And uh, that concludes our bingo card. For those of you who played along with this Your Mind bingo card, hope you guys have fun. Although, how much fun was there to have in the final 10 minutes? Really, we, it was heartbreak. <sighs> it was pain. We fucking suffered. Ugh. Well, let's move on, turns Palastri, to musings. Hmm. Well, hmm. Musings. Any, any thoughts? Ponderings. Any feelings? Wonderings. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, my first musing is... She seduced me, the line that Villanelle and Eve say to one another, uh, is the new, this is what you wanted. I have that the other way around. (laughs) All right. So the line, this is what you wanted. This is what you wanted. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Is the new, she seduced me from the ending of the series of the The delusion. We should call this the delusion of Villanelle's exes, but yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Because it's like, well, you, the abuser and seducer, are telling me that I seduced you as a little girl. Whatever. You want me to believe it for some reason, because what it adds to my character, funny, hilarious. Now, all of this, this is what you want. Again, it's a way for Eve to try to destroy what is blooming in Villanelle's character. And why, why would you take these things away from her? Because she's, hello, this is... She loves to feel. This is mm-hmm, she's mm-hmm. loving what's new about her, and you're basically saying all of what you think you got is not real. So it's her again taking the thing that she loves and she's killing it. And it's like it's rude, and only it's someone so who rude. you're really close to can hurt you that deeply. Oh my so, god, that is so accurate. <laughs> so it's yeah, it's it was this, the rudest thing I've 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 seen. And, you know, I would agree because in the same in the same way that Anna was absolving herself of all responsibility to do with Philanel and it's like, okay, but 
Villanelle was fine, or rather Oksana, as she was at that time, was fine when she was making you feel better about yourself, uh -huh. when she was making you feel attractive, when she was giving you all the O's that your whack husband was denying you. But you still want to have your cake and eat it too. You were like, I want to have Oksana, the young person that makes me feel alive, probably similar to a way that E feels alive, just in the sense that my whack life is not as whack as it was because now you're in it. But then she wanted to hold on to that normal shit. Oh, I'm married. I have a husband. I have this life. And the minute that's disrupted, oh, now I must blame you for everything. Despite the fact that you involved yourself with a child that you knew had behavioral issues. Mm -hmm. You knew the folder on that bitch. You said the folder was thick. You said she got to the school. Everyone took a step back. And you took a step fucking forward, bitch. Automatically, yep. you on your Eve Palastri because you were intrigued. Yep. You can tell me like, oh, I was just trying to protect a child. No, bitch. That's not what you do when you protecting children. You don't fucking flirt with those children later. Okay? Like, that's not what you do. And so... Yes, that's the same exact thing. She was absolving herself responsibility. Well, well, she seduced me. Well, well, this is what you wanted. Never mind the fact that both of you are grown-ass humans, both older than Villanelle, mm -hmm. theoretically more mature, more experienced, more wise, and here you are trying to blame a, a veritable child for your decisions. No, bitch, stop that. Stop. It was a good one. Okay, what's next here on Musings? Ooh. Oh, this is me! I was actually... <laughs> This occurred to me like in the middle of the night last night and then I got really mad about it. Just when I'm like, is it is this for the fanfic? But like, do people do murder fanfic? Will I be the first to write a murder fanfic? I'm really just trying to figure it out. I'm sure there's other people out there who did murder fanfic and I'm just saying that. I think but... it's in the tumblers, but I mean, well, actually... I don't know if murder fanfic's in the tumblers. Like soft, soft, sweet shit is in I've the tumbler verse. I'm on the fucked up shit right now. Like okay. I just want to see other things. And so, yeah, this musing has to do with basically this question that I asked myself last night, which is, how the fuck does Villanelle kill for the first time in private for Eve? And it's and it's just basic as shit. How does she not perform and preen for her girl? Is this a writer's lapse or was Villanelle too distracted by thoughts of Alaska? Because, you know, when I think back to Amsterdam, I can't help but feel like I missed out. And even if we erase Eve's perspective of, oh, do I really want to murder? Am I really into this? From Villanelle's perspective, she believes Eve really wants to murder. She threw a bitch in front of a bus. She's been doing these things to be like, is it is it turning you on? Do you want to watch me and the ghost? Like, <laughs> this is what's happening. How does she kill someone for the first time? Just just her. It's just her. She's like, I'm doing this kill. I'm getting rid of Aaron. How does it, how is it so quick and so basic when it's in front of Eve? I know. Isn't that kind of weird? Given what they've been setting up for the show and setting up about Villanelle, that she would actually have the opportunity to kill someone. And I'm emphasizing in private because that's what really matters to me, that no one else was around. And she looks at Aaron when she kills him, when I really would have preferred for her to look at Eve while she slit that bitch's throat. I think she wanted to just really watch the light kind of get out of his... I understand what you're saying. I'm just simply saying, for me personally, for what they set up, for how important the murder would be from both Eve's and Villanelle's perspective, no matter how different they were, how is it that you are able to kill someone, especially someone as annoying as Aaron Peel, and it's your first murder in front of your girlfriend the person you want to join this murder life with you and it's basic as shit when you know half the game for her has been how lovely your kills are oh wow you you had him bleed out for five fucking minutes and no one knew oh wow look how you did this disembowelment oh wow and okay peel simple slit throat let's not even marinate let's just go she's Whack. like they took all my supplies i have none of my diys so <laughs> i believe that villanelle in a pinch uh, there was way too much cutlery no, there right. was way too much you're cutlery right. how does she not even leave him looking like a pincushion just for fun just for kicks just like stick stuff in air and peel just mar, mar, mar. that's what we're doing no none of that none of that and i just want to say that i think it's absurd now that i've thought about it and i'm disappointed but you know all right 
that was it. That's that's my thing. No, but that's that was good. That was really good. Uh, so back to me with my musing. Uh, so I have here uh, my definitions. So there were two particular terms that I had set aside for this episode. I thought I snapped photos of them, but they're probably just dancing on my Twitter. So I'm just going to dance over there really quickly. Oh, I made it. And... <laughs> I love this um, mug that are. says, I don't give a huffle fuck. Oh, actually, yeah, that's, that's fun. I'm liking that as well. Uh, so here's my first one. This is for uh, philophobia, which is a noun for fear of falling in love. Philophobia is an overwhelming and unreasonable fear of falling in love beyond just a typical apprehensiveness about it. The phobia is so intense that it interferes with your life. They can include both emotional and physical reactions when even thinking about falling in love. Wow. Feelings of intense fear or panic. I so, didn't know that that was a thing, fear of falling in love. I guess, you know, some people just don't like how the things feels. I, I, I feel like what's most surprising to me about it is, you know, it's not like love or falling in love just like literally hits you in your face like a leaf in springtime. <laughs> it's, usually, it's usually hard yeah. to find that that mutually felt thing. And so it's interesting that there's people out there that walk in fear of it. Does it specify whether or not they are afraid because they've experienced love before or they're afraid because their perception of what love is, is scary? Well, I'm thinking more of it has to do with what they don't know. They've Most people fear what they don't understand. So as people being behaving irrationally, doing things ridiculously for people for you know no conceivable logical reason, which is again like, um, oh, good to good to meet you, random follower. I love you. Um, enjoy the ride. Um, but yeah, because I'm still on my Twitter. And oh, I just gosh. the alert. Um, okay, but yeah, like, but me seeing something like that and afraid to fall in love, it was like, hmm, I wonder could someone, one of my leading ladies, be someone who's afraid of falling in love? And if I had to pick one character. I would probably say that character's Carolyn, where it's like she needs to be able to be cool about everything or else everything falls apart. So she needs to be able to not take anything in too close to the chest, which is why she can adore the person that lives with her. That's her offspring, but from a distance as far enough, whereas if it's DEFCON 1 or whatever, he gets kidnapped or something. Yeah, so, <laughs> which is one of the reasons why she needs to maintain the rotation. So it's like she's not bogged down because she doesn't want to be head in the clouds. Oh, my God. Like, it's so adorable seeing Eve go through what she's going through because she doesn't know she's going to have 50 villanelles in her lifetime if she stays in this line of work because, you know, the you world is Eve. so big. Uh, yeah, Eve. Villanelles we'll too unique. Okay, Villanelle is unique now for Eve because it's her first unique one. Unique now! No. Oh. We don't know what's going to happen with Eve. Look at the ghost. Remember right. what she said about the but ghost? That was, but that was <laughs> two days. And that was because Carla made her, look, look at this other woman. Look at her. I need you to catch her. You're running out of time. And this looks like a big mess. So I'm going to need you to make this, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, am I speaking too highly of you and your skills? Because I need this done. And 
as punishment for not finishing this, I'm going to send Jess to go and investigate something in Amsterdam where it looks like, I don't know, it could, it could be Villanelle, but I mean, you'll never know because you're not done with this, this thing that I need you to focus on. So it's like, mm. <sighs> wonderful, right. wonderful. So those definitions are super cool. I think fear of love maybe could be plausible for Villanelle post the shooting. But actually right now I'm of this thought that like pain, pain is that thing that you claim you hate, but you actually love because it is visceral and it, it creates an experience, a probable experience. And so I believe that for now, at least that, well, okay, let me cycle back. I think that more than likely the show will start in season three, the same way season two started, just amount of seconds after the fact. And so I know I said last episode that Eve is either rescued by MI6 or the 12, but I suppose it's also possible she could crawl out the ruins. However, they will need me to suspend my disbelief yet again for me to believe that Eve could crawl out of the ruins considering the ridiculous road they took through the ruins and actually make it out alive to get to the streets of Rome and like, have some random person take pity on her and get her to the hospital because you know blood expels itself pretty quickly and so i'm still of the thought that the most plausible thing right now is kenny or someone else from mi6 or 12 coming coming back to get her or villanelle turning around which right now seems far-fetched but it really all depends and i only say far-fetched because the writers have cast doubt to my characterizations of villanelle in certain ways well i guess more so to eve actually than villanelle because villanelle's still lining up with stuff except for like oh she's a sociopath oh she's a psychopath I don't like that. But then there's that deleted scene. Like we said, like Sandra in that article made it seem like, oh, we may move some stuff around about where the shot was. And so clearly season two wasn't ended with the perception that we will definitely get season three. It was a little weird because it's, you can't have Sandra O, you know, saying, well, we're still trying to figure out how Villanelle responds to this, how she reacts when you shot that deleted scene of her in a fucking cowboy hat. But it's so... It's so ridiculous that they could totally retcon that. So many people disregard the deleted scenes when we're looking at articles and shit wrapping up the show. They usually don't mention them at all. And so it's totally possible for them to retcon the cowboy shit and just like threw it out there for the fans to be like, oh, look at Villanelle back on her dramatics. But yeah, who knows? It's up for grabs and there's no real way to figure out what's going to happen because they don't fucking know. And so what do we have here? Is this, uh, this looks like you. Um... Oh, this Constantine? Yeah. Oh, yeah, just me musing on what um, Constantine's veritable devastation. And I was just kind of wondering with myself the reasons for his devastation, because as I mentioned earlier, it's played very well by Kim Bodnia. I feel the pain in his eyes, especially when, you know, he's trying to get her to abandon Eve. And she's like, no, no, that's not happening. And he's just like, why? What is it about her? Like in that shot, he looks so pained. Like, what is it? I'm trying to save you from yourself. And you refuse. What is it about this woman? And she's like, we are the same. So I was theorizing in my head that, okay, maybe Constantine is devastated, but not just by her choice. Because it seems like the way they set it up that he had to leave her. And that's why I started musing about with myself. Was this something that he was forced to do by Carolyn? Or does he actually choose her? Because earlier in the season, Eve gives him that out. And as we were talking that maybe he doesn't actually get the address. We had said before, I believe, on the episode on Snack episode that maybe Eve called off camera or something to give him the information. But given what we see after the fact, the fact that Constantine is moonlighting with Villanelle and he never actually gets his family members, it can either be interpreted as I chose you at this time, Villanelle, or the worst one, which is I'm manipulating you from this time. I'm making you think I'm choosing you, but I've already had a conversation with Carolyn, 
who's keenly aware oh. of where you two will end up because she's seeing your little postcards and your little sex texts. I mean, she I, they didn't exist, to... but right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's because it's one of two things. It's one of two, like either Constantine is that much of a manipulator, which wouldn't put it past me. He's a handler. And what else is a handler supposed to do but manipulate the person they're handling into doing whatever the organization wants them to do? And he successfully was able to do that with Villanelle. And so I do believe he cares about her, but I'm just... I'm just curious. Uh, what are your thoughts about I mean, how Constantine's long was his devastation? Long game? I told you that he was purposely doing things to be the interference with a lot of the missions that uh, when they were all together, like Constantine in that van again bothered me to no end. Constantine talking and having Carolyn now with the context of episode eight in mind, going back to when uh, Eve is in that kitchen. And being told that her little plan seems to be working, that whole setup, knowing that yeah. Constantine is okie doking, that Carolyn and Constantine are okie doking Villanelle and Eve, the whole thing looks funny style. And I've I'll, I've had that twinge of it looking funny ever, even when I saw it the first time. So it's like, I don't know, it just doubles down for me that yeah, that it was all, it was all not genuine it was all not it was all a ploy it was all a game because that's literally how mm. i read it the first time with constantine with constantine and, and carolyn in that kitchen where it was like oh well we need to well, that's an interesting that's an interesting cross between constantine and carolyn because both of them are shady as hell and manipulative and pathological liars for getting their own end but of the two people if i'm gonna say that you know one person was emotionally bothered and potentially distressed by their bad behavior. It was Constantine. Carolyn, like I said, she eating croissants. She's sleeping good. Yep. She got six new hoes in the house and she don't give a fuck. She doesn't give a fuck. And so while I like Carolyn as a mystery person, I would be interested. I mean, I guess I'll save that for my wish list, but I'm just, I'm just curious about where she is on the spectrum mm. because she's so totally chill with her fuck shit that she needs to get Eve to that place <laughs> right. so that she can have an assassin rotation if she so chooses. And just like, Get off your little moral high horse, bitch. Because first of all, you don't belong on a moral high horse. You never did. Never you never did. will. Stop it. It's gone. It's done for you. So yeah, if you guys um, want to reach out and let us know your thoughts on Constantine, do you think Constantine will make an appearance in season three? Do you think that Villanelle will take out some sort of anger on his family? Do you think that Constantine is retired from being a double agent of any kind? <laughs> is he just going back to Edina and his wife to play house? Because if I had to guess, and this is just me, that Constantine in a certain kind of way is still like Villanelle and Raymond, where you're masquerading in this normal life. You know, maybe you go to PTA meetings, maybe you fucking go to the supermarket. But at the end of the day, you still crave this excitement that comes from being a spy, from being a fucking killer, from being a fucking person that's pulling strings behind the scenes that everyone else in society doesn't know what's going on, but you do. Part of it has to be the thrill, like what Hugo said, because people don't take those jobs unless they kind of enjoy the thrill, right? Like who takes a job to suffer? You take a job generally because you're, you're into it and no one who works for MI6 is forced to work for MI6. I'm well, like, I mean, that's, uh, well, that, I that's, say, that, that's probably not that's true. Not but super is true. But I feel The people like, that we yeah. see, I'm saying. Well, when we see people work for other organizations, other shows, it's like, oh, uh, they have someone in my family held hostage, so I'm going to be doing these types of works. So when I think of people in situations like Constantin, where it's like, you have my family, that's why I'm doing this deal with you. 
I just want them back. And now that you have them, you're still a dead man. So where are you? Where where do you see your happily ever after? There is no happily ever after. And maybe he knows that, which is why he was so emotional about it at the end. And maybe Carolyn also knows it, which is why she had that grin on her face. I was like, well, this is the play you wanted to play. So let's see how far you get. Hmm? But also, couldn't it also mean that he goes back to the 12 or some other secret organization? Because... How does Villanelle say, I'll find you and your family? She's super intelligent. He's like, I don't think so. Unless he has some sort of idea that whatever he's about to do, wherever he's about to go with his family, it's going to be increasingly difficult for anyone to find them. New names, new passports, new whatever the fuck. So pull people out of one safe house to throw them in another safe house when they were already safe. Again, it's like, it's a choice. And and maybe he needed to make a choice like that, but that's still like, it's redundant. It's like, what was that all for? I also wonder if his family comment that was so bitchy isn't a way for him to more easily divorce himself from Bill and Al. Yeah, like the way he was talking to Eve about the hungry caterpillar. Like, it's better to make her hate you. And maybe that's just what he was trying to do to say, this has to hurt because this is the last time I'm probably going to be allowed to see you. Or it has to hurt because I need you to stop. Do you know what I mean? Like, because we were we were saying that, okay, Constantine without Villanelle is in danger, but maybe also Constantine with Villanelle is in danger because she's constantly breaking the rules. Yeah. He's the handler or she puts him in danger. I can see that as well. Yeah. So I'm wondering, it's kind of like that, you know, that tough love thing where if I hurt you hard enough, you won't come back. You won't try to find me. You won't try to, maybe that was one of his approaches because I do feel that he cares for Villanelle, but there's so much manipulation and machinations afoot. I just don't know <laughs> how deep they go. I just know that he definitely feels more. Or at least feels where Carolyn, I don't know, it's debatable what the fuck Carolyn is feeling, if anything. Well, I like that musing a lot. Oh, now we're on to your next musing. Oh, yes. Everyone is dead now. <laughs> when I say everyone is dead, we woke up, like I said in the beginning of the episode, we were in a hotel lobby and there was nobody around. They're not around because they're dead. Aside from the armed guards that were in the front of the hotel who were ordered not to come in. For fear of death, more than likely. Everyone said, I think Mrs. Leary, I think she's dead. I think that his sister uh, is also dead. I think that uh, Miss Peel is gone. Miss mm. Peel's dead. I think the people, like you said, in the hotel that uh, Eve's staying in. There was, a, there was a receptionist when they checked in. <laughs> right. There was no receptionist was no when receptionist. they checked out. Right, exactly. So <laughs> we may not know where the bodies are, but they're dead. Whoever was there is dead. Those two goons that came in and kicked down, what, we think just one hotel door? I mean, who knows? I mean, it'll probably be too loud to really kick anywhere else down. But, I mean, such accuracy when it comes to whatever job they did. But I don't think anybody else stayed in that hotel, honestly. I think it was just those two in their two rooms. (gasps) Well, wouldn't that then mean the hotel is like the one Villanelle stayed in? In the beginning of the season? When, with the old dude. Oh, who yeah. Was having mm-hmm. the hot toddies. How's it going? <laughs> yeah. Well, hmm. I mean, then it would make it some sort of, you know, assassin hotel or. Oh, so. Or just, you know, a hotel where bad things go down. Like the only people who check in here are people who are doing bad things. And so. So now I feel better because the way that they broke into Hugo's room, if regardless, if they knew, if they had the precise information as to where to strike, they didn't go to Eve's room. Eve has a room. 
And when they first checked in, she was well, like, technically that Mr. actually and Mrs. she, she was in oh, Hugo's no. room. She was in Hugo's room because Hugo had all the equipment. Right. So that means that they weren't trying to bang down Eve's room to try to find her there. But they know that that's where they stayed because that's the way the hit was orchestrated. Maybe they peeked in Eve's room because her door was open or something. I just the biggest issue for me with the 12 murders at the hotel is that it doesn't fit with what they set up for the 12. They made it seem like every single time Villanelle made a mess or she was just a little bit louder with her kills than they wanted her to be that it was a major problem and hey you could get fired and that's death and why would they try to fire Villanelle when she's so good at what she does and clearly you know she's got the languages she's got the blending she's attractive she's all the things you need to have the most versatile fucking assassin you can have why get rid of her and so I'm like they went through all this trouble to get rid of her to kill her because part of me is like well that doesn't make any sense because Raymond you would have had a better option a better shot of sniping that bitch from afar what why does it have to be up close and personal and just before I forget Raymond has an axe and he puts it down now you could argue that oh it's male hubris or whatever but it's also the show being ridiculous because how do you how are you one person coming to get an assassin a killer who you already know, has been problematic. Other people have gone to get her, control her, put her into some sort of plan, and it's not fucking worked. But you show up there with an axe, an axe, not a gun, an axe, by yourself, alone as the goon. And then because she taunts you, you put the axe down, you you set it down. Your only advantage in the fight that you can see is the axe. You set the axe down and you're like, okay, all right, let's go at it. Let's have some fucking fisticuffs. It's fucking weird. I mean, it is weird, but at the same time, maybe this is just bill part two and i'm only saying bill part what? two i'm only saying bill oh part two God. you just read a thesis about incels and the little things that they're doing like chatting themselves up to Are be you saying Raymond's attractive yeah <laughs> he, he has is. a wife so I, I might slum it up he's just but, a meninist you know, i would call I'm... raymond a meninist but he's married so technically he can't be an incel because they're like the involuntary celibates no one's having sex with me now i want to burn the world well, I but, don't think I he mean, thinks that highly of himself. Raymond? And then him <laughs> being insulted by someone as attractive as Villanelle hurts extra especially, which is why he ended up putting the axe down. Which is like, why would the 12 send a nobody like you? He said, oh, that's what? All right, first off. <laughs> that was like the gloves are off comment that she made to him. Calling his kids ugly was one thing. He's like, mm, well, yeah, yeah, they are. And I guess that's what goes back to why I wish the fight was longer or it was just better because they set Raymond up as such a creep. And when he first appeared for the choke out, you know, we absolutely thought he was menacing and a problem and dangerous. And he's there posed up with the ax. And, and he, then he puts it down. He puts it down. He's like, I'm a fucking fight you for two whole seconds. It just, I just, it just, it's underwhelming in that sense because how you gonna set up Raymond? Raymond. He's supposed to be a killer. He's supposed to be the person that murks all the agents of the 12 when they're done. And he is this unprepared and this ineffectual with Villanelle and Eve. And even with the fact that because all we have to say is male hubris, but male hubris to the point of what ridiculousness, because as he's choking Villanelle, Eve is back there. He don't even try to switch. He don't even try to like, let me right. let me be looking at he you. I choke this bitch. He she just, was neurotypical. And what he well, was not neurotypical. Saying... I would I would go with gendered stuff first because no oh, one okay. hanging out with Villanelle is straight <laughs> neurotypical. But maybe he went with the dude approach, like she's a woman. But even still, what I'm saying to you is that realistically, in logic, in life, the same way Villanelle had so many men be like, "I have children." You can't tell me that Raymond has been working for the Twelve for X amount of years, 
And he doesn't have like a doctor or someone else who just has a number of instances where now you have your own statistics of what can happen when you're about to kill someone, which is people can surprise you. People can do other things. People. Why would he take such a ridiculous risk? I would say he would Plot take device. it if he had the MacGuffin. Plot device. <laughs> I think that the 12 was never in Rome. I think. That oh, my God. How many people are you going to piss off with your plastry bullshit? How can the 12 never be in Rome? What do you mean? Constantine says the 12 is in Rome. Yes, he says the 12 he is here. He says that. I think the whole thing was orchestrated Whatever. by Carolyn. The entire thing. That I was can't all of her I bonds. honestly can't. So Carolyn sh shot up her own agent? Why would she do that? I really think she did. <laughs> Yo. It's Whatever, what Terrence. Yes, it will eventually be wrong, and that is fine. But <laughs> Carolyn shot up her own agent. I fucking can't. For all we know, that was staged. We still don't know. It was blood pack <laughs> with you go. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold up. Are you telling me you're with those the people online who are talking about blood packs and Eve's shirt? Blood Not packs and the cardigan Eve's shirt. I'm talking about a Hugo shirt. Oh. Oh, wait a minute. So now Hugo has a blood pack. Yeah. Well, if Hugo has a blood pack, don't everybody got blood packs? No. Are we just passing out blood packs? <laughs> like Eve doesn't have one. He didn't give one to Eve. Just in case you need to use the hero's technique. <laughs> Here's a fucking blood pack. See? Oh, my God. But, I can't. Hey, I still strongly believe that. <laughs> because, I mean. Oh, my God. Why Why else would he be? Like, you keep saying unprepared. It's like it's almost like the 12 wasn't there with him, which is like a thing that I strongly believe. Like Raymond himself was there. Because I guess we'll know the goons in the hotel. Who are the goons in the hotel from then? If I it's not the twelve, were, listen. I think you can rent a goon with the right. I mean, you can rent a goon, but and who's renting means... the goon? Who rented the goon? <laughs> I think Carolyn. And it's like <laughs> no. There was a no! phone call in Hugo's room, and it's like remember. <laughs> wait, <laughs> no. Let's, let's dial it Why back. Why is this let's happening? Dial it back. Don't you remember? I'm sorry, guys. Carolyn I'm so sorry. <laughs> made phone calls. It was. We've seen oh on God. screen lots of ridiculous things that may that have no, I mean, that's no tie true. in. Like Carolyn <laughs> speaking in other languages on the phone. Oh and it's like, God. who are you speaking to and why are you doing that? And we don't know. We'll never know. And it's it's Wait a minute, we did know why she was speaking Dutch. It's cause she was trying to find out what was going on with Villanelle in Amsterdam and why she was sending love postcards to Eve. And she was like, Oh, these bitches close to the schmang. Let me turn up <laughs> turn up the heat on my case. Let me fuck around with these hoes. That's why she kept the postcard. She was like, if I keep this postcard, it will put Villanelle into distress and make her even more amped up to see Eve. And she wasn't lying. She wasn't wrong. Oh, she, was, she was correct. It happened. Um, I'm just going to move on She's from your ridiculous theory. Everybody's dead. I mean, it's how I feel. <laughs> I mean, I agree I with your ridiculous theory. As you dead. went off the deep end at the end there about Carolyn, I, I, I don't know, but I do agree that everyone is dead in the hotel. Everyone in the hotel got murked and it's fucked up. But the 12 needs to explain to us why they were willing to murk that many people and hide that many deaths potentially to deal with Villanelle. Because in that sense, I'm like, shouldn't Raymond just be trying to get Villanelle? Shouldn't he have just choked her out till she passed out? And then she wakes up in a car and he's like, gotcha, bitch. <laughs> You're back on a job or else. Because I just, it doesn't make sense to me to take all those people out just to get Villanelle when you could totally snipe a hoe from the roof. Ridiculous male hubris. That too. All right. All right. So if that is, oh, wait. We're either missing one or it's you again. What is it? What What does it say? Uh, <laughs> I'm killing my inner villain now. Says, Tell even, me, what does it say? Even if Eve is straight, incidentally homosexual at best, since she cannot be straight. She definitely cannot be, be straight. It would be unrealistic for her to never fuck Villanelle. Uh, so, I think I was... What do you think about that? Um, I think uh, Nicole Scherzinger put it best in the Pussycat Dolls. <laughs> I know I'm on your mind. I want to have a good time. 
I'm sexy, I'm fun, and I'm fine. I ain't lying. <laughs> Look at me. Shit. You ain't blind. Well, I'm saying. All right, so now we're on to Spotted on Twitter and Tumblr. Oh, all right. Um, You guys see this? Wait. I'm is that Twitter? Tumblr? What is it? You. Send it. I'm sending Immediately. It all right right here, now. Here, all right. Stat. So all the things. All right. Okay, so first up, what I'm going to do is go over some of the polls that I had up on the Twitters. Um, a lot of you have been voting. We do appreciate all of the feedback. Uh, so I'll do the easier polls first. So this one here was, why was the coffee cold? <laughs> was, I don't know. What, what, wait, what were the answers before uh, I give my answer? Was he, uh, this is about a uh, Hugo. Was Hugo somewhere snitching? And it was just yes with an exclamation point and then a, a regular no. With <laughs> and so it was unanimous. Everyone voted for yes because that's what he was doing. He was somewhere Don't nobody snitching. give a damn about Hugo. Right. And then, of course, and then. You know he was snitching to Jess. Oh, he was snitching Jess, to Jess, she used me for my body and my dick, Jess. Okay. Um, here we are. The first deleted moment. Uh, there were four choices. Um, the first, The first deleted moment. Uh, takes place in season three. This is the uh, cowboy hat Villanelle. Uh, took place before the finale. Uh, was of Jody and not Oksana. And then the last one was exists only to bug us. And so 67% said it takes place in season three with only 33% saying it exists only to bug us. So I... All right. We'll, we'll see. We'll see who's right. <laughs> we'll see who's right. We'll, we'll never know. We're going to bring these polls back to life when <laughs> season three rolls around, you guys. All right. The next poll is the second deleted moment. Uh, and I wrote was about Nico. And then I wrote was about somebody else. Wait, wasn't Nico's eyes just like, uh, yes. yo, you're so it I'm was, so sick of I, your polls already. Because people want easy <laughs> polls. They don't like oh when the answers God. are complicated. All right. And so everyone unanimously voted that it was about Nico. So well. congratulations to everybody. Uh, the next poll... Hmm. Maybe that's because I was criticizing you last week about making your polls impossible <laughs> to <laughs> right. succeed on. So, so we'll we'll get to a healthy medium eventually. Um, this is about uh, Villanelle and Constantine's uh, tete-a-tete. And it was, think she will find his family. The first yes. response was, yes, yes, she got time. The second response was, no, it was a bluff. And oh. the third response was, who cares? Where's Eve? And I would so, like to choose both A and C. <laughs> so 35% said, yes, yeah, she got time. 15% said, no, it was a bluff. And 50% said, who cares? Who gives Where's a fuck? Eve? That's right. I mean, that's the fandom I'm part of. Who gives a fuck? Where's our girl Eve? Yeah, true. And yeah, that was the last of The last of your pose? Yeah. The last of your pose? Well, fantastic. Thank you to everyone who has participated in the polls. I believe he still has some active polls. Y'all can still participate. Thanks. All right. So moving on here to a scene on Tumblr, which was pretty fucking great. I ran into this post and I thought it was super awesome because we had mentioned last episode about some color parallels I was guessing or theorizing could have been relevant when it comes to the, the play. Uh, Julius Caesar and the relationship between Julius and Brutus and what happens, of course, with the death and the betrayal and the closeness, yada, 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 and the parallels that that could have with Eve and Villanelle and whether or not the wardrobe people were thinking about it, given the location in 
Not really Rome, but y'all know. And so I found someone who made a direct comparison to the play Orestes by Euripides and just a, an exchange of lines between Pilates and Orestes where Pilates says, I'll take care of you. And Orestes says, it's rotten work. And Pilates says, not to me, not if it's you. And of course, this poster was drawing a direct comparison to Villanelle's statement of, I'll take care of you. I'll look after you. And the ruins and Eve just kind of being like, thanks, silently. But if looks could talk, it would be, it's rotten work. <laughs> it's rotten yeah. work looking after my fucking problematic ass. Furthermore, in the post, they also show an image from when Carolyn was talking to Eve about the plans to have Villanelle show up at her house because of the hit they put out on her. And she used the word Sisyphean. That was, of course, her spelling B word. And she has such great fucking terminology. And of course, we identified that the, the meaning of a, a Sisyphean task was a pointless task, fruitless and unrewarding that must be repeated over and over again. And so how do you take this within the context of the final scene? Uh, just the fact that, again, what it, how do I put it in pieces? Uh, it is helping me to see what, again, ultimately that I've already understood all along is that, yeah, uh, Eve got to do everything that she wanted to do, but it led to nothing. It, it, everything that she thought, every decision she thought that she would be making, that she thought was critical to every every fight or flight type of experience where she thought that her decision would mean, you know, saving the world, saving herself, saving her loved one, that it was all for naught, that she wasn't really in any kind of major decider role. Not really because everything was orchestrated for her. Like it wasn't real danger. It wasn't real. Like it's almost like she was playing agent the entire time she was there. Right. So, it's she so everything to her once she realized that nothing mattered it was like well what was this all for why am i even here why would i continue to follow you carolyn or if you're just going to keep doing things like this to me why would i continue to follow you into the darkness of villanelle if all you're going to do is just try to manipulate me even though my whole duty was to manipulate manipulate you as your handler but you know i thought i was good at it and it turns out that i was the one with the leash and the collar on my neck and you both were just dragging me along. So it's like, I don't want to do this anymore. She was trying to stop the world to get off. It's also interesting too the parallel, at least with the play, Orestes, that, you know, as the play opens, he has killed his mother and it's the murder that he's dealing with and the complications of that fact and, you know, who was the one person able to calm him down from his madness and, of course, the ensuing madness that continues because, well, you know, he's got the furies and, and things he feels. And so, who knows? Sometimes we be finding shit. Now the writers are like, oh my God, we did that? That's amazing. We didn't right. even know. We so and totally so, planned that. We did. Yeah, we've not seen anything like this mentioned in any of the interviews so far. If I had to guess who would mention this or come up with it, Fiona Shaw is all uh -huh. I have. <laughs> this boy, she's the only well, one I have. Well, if you think about the Pallides and Orestes and the way that they were dealing with one another, you'll find that there were very striking similarities. But It's like when she was talking were. about Van Gogh in that interview. Well, right. you know, the lily. <laughs> she's so fucking smart yeah so th those are some interesting fucking parallels i mean i'm all the way down with the the greek mythology and any sort of shakespearean comparisons because i'm just into that deeply tragic shit and i don't expect anything else but 
deeply tragic shit from this story and I'm so excited to get it. I just hope I get other things in the process of this tragicness. Okay, and it looks like we got some memes going on here. Uh, so... Oh, <laughs> so this meme, which is beautiful, uh, Killing Eve season one, like summed up in one meme. It's a news story where it says, quote from the man stabbed. <laughs> what are you going to do? Stab me? Yes. And that feels great. And it says Killing Eve season two. And this has a police in front of a, a car with a caution tape. And it says man shot after asking, what are you going to do? Shoot me? And oh, I mean, well, here we are. This is, you know, it's real life. This is great. Oh, what's this other meme here? Um, oh, <laughs> more season one to season two parallels. This is a meme using Patrick Stewart. <laughs> and it is a meme from, <laughs> from his Star Trek days. And uh, he's watching a screen. And the first <laughs> the first square is like he's he's looking contemplative, like, is she going to kiss her? And then next square with his reaction, holy shit, she fucking stabbed her. Killing Eve season one. Killing Eve season two finale. Is she going to kiss her? Same reaction. Holy shit, she fucking shot her. Yep, that sums up the yeah, show. Uh-huh. Yep, mm-hmm, that's it. Mm-hmm. They see what we're doing with here. Oh, okay. So the next oh, so this this meme is an image of a girl who sort of looks drunk, but not really. She looks sad, hanging by a pool, and she's like having her fingers uh, create baby ripples on the. She the looks skin defeated of the water. and dead. Yeah. <laughs> and so it reads: Villanelle chilling in Alaska by herself, thinking about how she definitely isn't thinking about Eve. <laughs> you know what got me fucked up off that is that it's um. I guess a kiddie pool, like a, a background pool. But look at how dirty the bottom is. Oh, mm. Like, that's how my mind works. I'm like, why is it unclean? <laughs> why does it look like that? That's even more reason to be depressed. But that shit is fucking hilarious. And this other one I have here, yeah, seen on Twitter, which was the tweet says, this tweet is about the evolution of Villanelle messaging Eve, an appreciation tweet. And so you basically have one image of the sorry baby. You have another <laughs> <laughs> You have another image of darling Eve. I hope you haven't forgotten about me from when she was in Amsterdam. You have the kill commander text and emojis. And the last one is a Ouija. <laughs> it's a Ouija board. <laughs> Villanelle trying to talk to Eve in the afterlife. And even though Eve's not going to be dead, I'm not going to lie to you that I would find it completely and totally hilarious and fitting in with her extra dramatic bullshit to be like, let me dress up for a seance. <laughs> Eve. And she said, Eve, do you love me? And wait. And so her fingers yes. are on the thing. Yes. Wait, no, no, no. It, but it's pulling towards the no. And you can see the sweat marks on the fingers. Like, as it Oh, continues. right. I forgot to mention the comic at the bottom yes. there. So it's the, there's, a, there's a hand-drawn comic of Villanelle asking the Ouija, do you love me? And it's moving towards... No. But she's fighting it. She's this, trying to fight that shit. And then before it hits, no, she throws the whole thing. Oh, we just not... You know what? We're we just, just not, not real. real. It's fake shit. It's fake news. <laughs> oh, dear. But shout out to all you fucking fans out there making some of the best memes. I mean, this fandom is pretty amazing. I retweeted the one I saw on Tumblr because I was trying to paraphrase. And then I was like, someone help me. I can't find the link. And then someone did. And it was the gif I showed you from Bodyguard when they're by the pool. Oh, and yeah. Whitney Houston is staring at Kevin, uh, Kevin Costner, Costner. And they just look salty at each other because they're like, I like you. And I like you. I love you, actually. But I'm mad. And someone was like, this is going to be even Villanelle. In Probably episode five, episode part. five of season three, <laughs> pretending like they hate each other, but knowing that they really love each other and still want to schmang. 
I like that story. I mean, thank you for nursing me back to health or whatever. But, you know, Yo. <laughs> you would have never had to do that had you never shot me. It's like, True. Oh, just, well, just be happy someone was there to take care of you. I was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Oh, and shout out to Kiko Blue. Hey, she sent hey, us a, a hilarious, a wonderful screenshot and I don't think I'd seen this article prior to it being sent to me, but it was a hilarious fucking article. Actually, belay that. I did not bother to read the article till later, but what had me laughing was the imagery. And and it was a it was a screenshot of an article about featuring Jody Comer from the Metro with the title, Jody Comer doesn't get approached by men since playing Killing Eve's Villanelle. <laughs> Congratulations, love. First of all, congratulations. Keep the creeps away. It's summertime. This is the best time to keep them away, girl. I know you're in Britain and the weather's often whack, but still, fucking shit. Congratulations. And I mean, look at this image underneath it that was sent to me. (laughs) I know. Good for her. Good for her. I mean. And Kiko adds, Jody is living the dream. She sure is. She sure the fuck is. I was just telling you, I'm trying to find some man repellent for the summertime. Just like, oh, she smells bad. Let me not go over there. Just anything. Anything, anything. to keep the dudes away from me. Ugh, thank you so much for sending that funny thing because I love it. But also, I'm just going dry snitch to all you women out there who are like, I don't know. Could I compliment a Jody Comer? Go for it. Don't be Please weird. Don't be creepy. But go for it. Be like, hey, I heard men aren't talking to you. They're afraid to compliment you. I just want to say, you look great today. Carry on being amazing. That's it. That's good. Send her the feminine energy. I, I, I let her know that even though because every time I've seen Jody talking about like her fandom or just like fans, she's always like, "Oh, men have been really weird," or you know, "Dudes don't want to talk to me." And it's like someone needs to, if she's not already aware, let her know that the lady side of her fandom has exploded, mm-hmm. and she could totally just like, oh, dip a toe, and be like, "What are you? What are you guys talking about? Oh, you love me, and we do." I just need one random review or interview where it's like, well, what have you been doing? What have you been listening to? Uh, do you have any favorite music? And she's like, well, I've actually been getting into the dirty computer. Oh, my gosh. You know what? <laughs> I actually saw some conjecture on Twitter. Um, and I was talking to a listener about it because evidently the the pressed gays that keep the the fandom alive or in between episodes and things like that, they found her Spotify. And unfortunately for them and for us, because now we have no more access to it, they did not just look at said Spotify, they subscribed. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm quite sure, because by the time I saw it on the timeline, people were like, you bitches, Jody has made her Spotify private, you fucking eager hoes. And I was like, what? And so I was looking in the thread, and so that's what happened. A bunch of baby gays, I have to assume, because those would be the ones to be like, I can't resist the urge to hit the follow (laughs) button. And so... They hit the follow. Jody probably woke up in the morning and was like, whoa, what the fuck? I have 500 followers, whatever the fuck followers she got on my Spotify that no one has paid attention to. Let me make that shit private. I just remember seeing the children online being like, oh, my God. And so, well, that happened. So I'm sorry, gonna... Jody, that people was out there <laughs> pressed to death. But it's just because, like, try not to see it as totally creepy, even though a little bit. No. They just were pressed to death to know more about you. Right. That's all. And what you if you want to paint the city pink, you paint the city pink. I'm saying... All right. Uh, oh, we got some shout outs here. Listener shout outs. Okay. Um, well, I already said hello 
to Kiko Blue. But I'm going to say hello again to you and your wife. Uh, thank you for sending us that lovely note about you guys watching the finale and your wife being upset that they couldn't smooch a little before V shot her. I'm, you know, I, it's the little things. It is like, we can things. ask these questions for all the people like there. It wouldn't have made sense to kiss. Bitch, what? What Bitch, show what? are you watching? No, forget the show. What about life? What about, have that you ever too. been in a fight with someone you're attracted to and just all of a sudden you start making out or just all of a sudden you do a thing that seems counterintuitive to the situation, but you just do it? Kisses can work. She could have tried to kiss a hoe. You Actually, were in shock. It's kind of like hiccups. <laughs> I mean, hey, if there was ever a time to use that line again. I mean, she did a titty bump that, oh, I'm just like you. Like what? Like she was celebrating a game winning goal in soccer. That was that was a lot. But shout out to you and your wife who said, quote, I can't wait to hear what Candace and Terrence have to say about the finale. I hope you guys liked what we had to say. I hope we have alleviated some potential anxiety or pressure or disappointment you felt by not getting that damn kiss. And hey, there's always the fucking fix until 2020. Um, there's a message on our Tumblr. From Lesbian Moon Lobster, who says, Hey, just wanted you guys to know that I'm not okay with that ending. What the fuck? Hella caps. A whole year? Yeah, for real. A whole year? And I look forward to hearing you guys scream over it so I feel less alone in these feelings. What the fuck? Again, in caps. The episode was doing great and it was doing amazing. All the good things I expected. And then the end. Fuck. Girl, you ain't said nothing but a word. Thank you for uh, raging and decompressing with us. We appreciate you. Oh, it says check on Toby Rush. Hey, Toby Rush, are, are, are you okay? Do, do we know? Toby I think Rush the last okay? sentence of Toby Rush's message was, my emotions, <laughs> in all caps. Um, oh, no. I think the crux of her, of her stress was the idea that Villanelle could have shot Eve intending to kill her. That is what bums out a lot of the fandom. Got it. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, we're not the mindset of that was a shoot to kill shot because now she had another theory that was like, uh, so another theory is that she shoots her in a non-lethal area, waits for whoever was watching to find the body as Eve plays dead, circles back and hurries her to the car in the hospital. Please, God, I cannot survive this. If she really <laughs> did leave Eve to die intentionally, my emotions. Well, we are here to suffer with you and as long as we suffer in mass like there's there's strength in numbers it's okay right. we'll make it, it through okay because we got each other we do as long as we got each other whoa okay. what oh that was a ploy we got right? the world th 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 that i'm not all the time we got each other sharing the laughter and love Okay, so why do I know that? And I still can't <laughs> and I still can't figure out what show that was from. Growing Pains? Yes. Oh shit. Okay. Well. Show me that smile again. <laughs> this is why we can't fucking record at literal Don't dawn. This is what the fuck happens. On your crying. <laughs> I mean that's bruh. Dudes and dudettes and everyone else, like, this is the last snack episode. It's literally about to be six AM. We are fucked up and we're sorry. But also, yeah. this is us. Hopefully you're used to it by now. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm back to Twitter. What is Ooh, uh oh. Learned Hand Sigma Esquire O three? CC? It's eels. Oh, yeah. She hit us up with a couple messages. First one was, what if Eve was perpetrating a fraud and intended on walking away and then coming back to continue the argument? Guess we'll never know. 
since V shot her ass in the back. LOL. Yeah, girl. I mean. And another thing. We will never, ever, ever know. <laughs> and a ting goes boom, boom, boom. <laughs> oh, my fucking God. Okay. We'll never and know. Another Twitter user. Uh, looks like. Oh, wait, wait, wait. There's one more from Ooh. one more comment from Sigma. And I just got shot out because anytime someone is trying to relate to me and my pain about Andrea and Michonne of the Walking Dead, I appreciate that shit. And she also added, I entirely feel you on Andrea from the Walking Dead. Side note, I've met Lori Holden. Super nice. That's great. Side note for me. Did you guys know Lori Holden was out there busting up sex crime rings? I'm just saying there are actors who moonlight other jobs and Lori Holden is moonlighting as a fucking superstar and saver of women. Anyway, I, I love that. Side note, it's fucking shit it's a fucking amazing thing anyway she continues i too felt bewildered and disrespected by fucking milton mamay taking andrea down girl what i know i also thought something went on between michonne and andrea while they were in the woods girl we know something we know something went on in the woods in the woods let me not go back to that um that highly spirited ship and you know honestly what i just wanted from those two was a fight scene together because I'm always yearning. I'm yearning for lady fight scenes. I just like yeah. team up, team up, be lovers and cause violence. That's what Candace wants. That's the aesthetic I'm still reaching for. It didn't happen. But I'm glad we can share a pain together over The Walking Dead. I don't know if you were still watching that show. I've abandoned it because yeah. they literally traumatized me too much for me to bother. I abandoned it sometime around um, the loss of Glenn and Sasha. Oh, yeah. And I the followed Sonequa. I followed Sonequa right to Star, Star Trek, Trek Discovery, Discovery. And I'm good. At least she doesn't have to wear that whack-ass wig. Like, deny. It's still disrespected with that wig. But anyway, boom. Thank you, Sigma. Thank you, Sigma. Esquire 03. For being in such consistent contact with us and letting us know you're enjoying the show and interacting with us. We super appreciate it. Okay, who's up next here on Twitter? We have at Cantaloupe. Yes, yes. At Cantaloupe. K-E-M, thanks for hitting us up on Twitter to help us because I interacted with her to be like, yo, you saw Jody's playlist? What was on there? What was she listening to? And she was like, well, I think I saw these artists, but also love your podcast. <laughs> and that three hours is not even enough. And I just want to say, okay. girl, you are our target demo. <laughs> you are the target fucking demo right now. Considering that one bad review we got where someone was like, why are these episodes so long? You would have a decent show if you would just like just edit it and i just don't know that we know how to edit ourselves in that way i mean the funny thing is we do edit but we're editing down from way more Yo, than three we do hours. edit but it yeah exactly that exactly what he fucking said so thank you so much for reaching out and engaging and enjoying the content all right so that was cantaloupe kim oh and, insta uh, i think we're on insta yeah. Oh, yeah, we're just shouting out Miss Coachella on Insta, who reached out about her sapphic zen wearing thin. Girl, I mean, <laughs> we are all in the same fucking boat. But mm -hmm. hey, that's what fan fiction is for. And Ooh. also want to give a shout out to our first, I guess, Nigeria listener. I mean, maybe there's other people listening in I Nigeria. Think there are others. Maybe this They've is just not the one reached to write out. In, right? And I love that she titled her email to hey, you guys at wellwellvillanelle.com. People are out there using that fucking email address. It was entitled Terrence Tangents. <laughs> she writes, absolutely love the podcast listening from Nigeria. While this is my favorite Killing Eve podcast, I just wish Terrence would stop going on tangents on irrelevant details about the characters. They're but mostly they are wrong. Relevant. <laughs> I mean, she they're wrong, but they're relevant. She's like, they're mostly wrong. And by mostly, I mean 99.9% All right. and it's, bizarre. It's a, it's a lot wrong. I would say like 58% like wrong. And yes, bizarre, of course. Because who 
Why would why would Carolyn order a hit on Hugo just to scare Eve? Like, why would she do that? It's because Carolyn don't give a shit about nobody. Right. I mean, it doesn't mean it really happened. But what what if we get back to season three and it's like, oh, I've had the whole thing. Oh, Hugo, you're fine. Well, I mean- what would we do without the Terrence Pilastri <laughs> musings of ridiculousness? But thank you so much for writing in Pearl and listening to the podcast. We appreciate you. Although I'm afraid to say that I don't think we can ever stop Terrence from his wild theories and... I mean, you know? I'll hold them in as best I can, but you know. Barely. Barely. <laughs> Barely. Barely. <laughs> All right. So I believe now we are officially on to our final takes. Yes. This is the end, guys. Well, almost the end. Okay, so to start off the final takes, now this is gonna seem like Uh-oh. a detour. It's not the biggest of detours. Um, I'm just going to sort of touch into a bunch of uh, cliff hangers or things that just, you know, didn't seem like they got closure. I mean, a lot of people who are saying that this episode is missing things, missing answers for lots of questions. I'm just going to read down a few of the things that I've noticed and maybe you've noticed too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And so we'll begin with, are we done with Constantine? Is Carolyn done with him? Is this his version of his happy ending or will Villanelle skin them all alive as she barked back at the speedboat near the end of season one when she flipped them off? When he hit her with the log, which is why I was happy that log was used in this finale. Um, was Villanelle doing the Nadia with all that Alaska talk? I mean, I'm going to say no, but I mean, it's still a thing to think about. Mm-hmm, Will mm-hmm. she ever get to use that shepherd's pie recipe? As long as she hasn't used it on another bitch, because that will fucking piss me off. Girl, yeah, learn I, to make something else. Yeah. Original spaghetti. Actually, no, belay spaghetti. Spaghetti and shepherd's pie yeah, are off limits off for Villanelle limits. to dine with another hoe. Anything else? Anything else on the menu? That's all you. I will eat anything. Mm-hmm. That's all you, Villanelle. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then, of course. I'm still saying that was a sapphic flirt, but whatever. <laughs> I did not mean to detour you. Please continue. Oh, and then my uh, shady observation. So Eve has a wedding ring after all. Uh, so now they have matching Hell rings. Hell yeah. Uh, oh, the lack of intel regarding the Russian prison CCTV Ugh. that Kenny stumbled Will across. we ever be wrapped up where that's well, well, concerned? Tell, uh, is that what all season three is going to be about? Like, I just need to understand. Like, what? What's happening? I'm with you there. Uh, how did Aaron Peel's mother die? I mean, at this point, it probably doesn't matter since Aaron's gone and we'll never have to go back there again unless there's more to the Peel debacle that we'll have to deal with. Sadly, I think we're done with Peel because they didn't even grab a hard drive. So how could they be going back to fucking Peel as a big bad? That means they're going to introduce a new big bad. Hopefully this big bad will be more scary than Aaron. I don't know. Does a person like Aaron with his home videos that he creates... Let's see. Does a person like Aaron with his home videos recreate that kind of moment with different women working around probabilities of different outcomes? I'm hoping that's not him trying to study the human condition, watching deaths of random different women. Because now I'm thinking about him killing random different women and I'm getting upset. I don't want to think about that, even though I know that that's what he was doing. He totally was. Uh, the only thing that I'm not upset, like the only the only saving grace for Aaron Peel is that they didn't bother to add the complication of obvious bigot because that would have made him worse if he wasn't just killing bitches. But like the kind of women that generally get killed by assholes, which are usually poor, disenfranchised, runaways, sex workers, women of color. 
the current issue that's going on in Canada with all the missing indigenous and, of course, all the many missing women of color in America where people are like, we have no leads. We need a villanelle for this lack of leads. But anyway, I'm getting off topic. All right. Back to you. The last few um, of my uh, final thoughts of this here. Um, we shoot to Eve when she left uh, after axing Raymond and she leaves the hotel side door with these extra senses where things seem slowed down and there was a like muffled noises around her and Villanelle had to guide her out. It called back almost to how she felt when she chose not to go into the, uh, the cart, the, the trailer that Villanelle went into question the ghost about and she needed to go and steady herself by the tree. Mm-hmm. And catch a breath. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, we need to know what is that? What is that sound effect? It that was part of what was pulling my typhoid uh, personality theory earlier. But I'm hoping that's not what it is. But it is so not that. I know it's not. It's because just... it's because these writers pride themselves on being booted in some sort of reality of of grounding. Maybe that's why they keep throwing around psychopathic and sociopathic all the time. And unfortunately. I feel like what happened with Typhoid Mary is firmly within the realm of camp and comic, supernatural, sci-fi, fantasy type situation. But I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't mind it is what I'm saying. And that's ultimately it from my list here. And I hope that we get some answers for at least some of that soon. It'd be great. That would be great. So now it is I. I mean, I don't really have any loose ends that are in my final takes like you did. You basically said everything that I was curious about and I'm still looking for closure on. Although half of the stuff I don't think I'll get, which is like, what about Amber? What happens to her? Raymond, are we going to touch on the fact that he had a family? What was the point of the Peel investigation? Did anyone take the hard drive? Did anyone take access to the algorithm? (laughs) You know, there's things that I'm not sure that we'll get validation on. But my whole thing for my final take is actually... Also, what's the deal with the 12? I asked that last episode, but I really just want to know what is going on with the 12? Who's at the top of that shit? But for me, this is all about like my wish list of what it is I would like to see in season three. If I could get, I already mentioned that I would like some Nico evisceration. And I'm not sure if I said this yet, but a la the way that Lisa takes down Daisy (laughs) from Girl Interrupted. But that's what I want. I want Nico evisceration. I want him to go the fuck down the rabbit hole of nastiness. And quite frankly, it doesn't matter how much of a nice guy you think Nico is when couples get into arguments and there is sincere, profound hurt. That is usually the time, the most hurtful things that you could possibly say where you take whatever things that you know potentially about a person and throw it in their face. That is like, hey, you know me well enough to know that shit will hurt me. So that's exactly why you're tossing it at me. Whatever Nico knows, whatever the fuck he knows that can fuck Eve up. I want him to say it right then and there. Also on my wish list. Oh, were you going to say something? I wanted to add to your list, but you may you may touch it. So I may not need to add. Oh, that's true. All right. Yeah. Let me get through my my points. Um, Second on my list, because it's secondly what I really want, but the Nico evisceration is really what I need. I just need Eve to be brought down a fucking peg of her morality. Is I would love a scene with Irina and Villanelle on the road again, is what I call it. On the road again. Mm. And uh, she's marked Constantine's wife, possibly. Left her in a fucked up situation where Constantine will walk in on and be like, oh, looks like Villanelle's in town. And Irina has been taken by Villanelle. Of course, like I said before, I do not want her to harm Irina. I would just love to see them team up and have conversations again because that was super fun in season one. Of course, on my list is a love speech from our bitches since we get that every season. I just want them both to be totally honest with each other. 
In my perspective, Eve did the monologuing in season one. I think about you all the time. And she was completely honest and transparent. Villanelle arguably had the honest monologue this time. You know, Eve didn't believe her, but I believe she believed herself, which is what counts here. And so for season three, I would like a scene where both of them are being the same degree of vulnerable and or desperate at the same exact time. No hubris, no jokes, no cynicism, no cheekiness, just, hey, I mean, maybe a little cheekiness, but hey, we're both being honest. We're both open at this time. There's not a wall up for either one and we get some sort of thing. If we do the whole parallels and the whole things, like since we did the thing with Eve and now we just did it with Villanelle, it only makes sense that it should be the two. Like we're having a meeting of minds. We're we're dismissing the fantasy of what we thought the other one was and now we're in the reality. So let's share the brain cell at the same time. <laughs> at the same time. time. If they could just figure out how to share that brain cell, they could work together. Um, I also have designs on a spaghetti eating scene and I've kind of fluctuated between what I would prefer. Like I would love to see our ladies eating spaghetti together, but they could also eat it separately and be like an angry chomp. Like like you're eating spaghetti, but because now spaghetti is forever tainted <laughs> by your ex, you're like, oh my God. And you can't help but think about the other when you're eating some fucking pasta. It's a really light request, but I still want it. Oh, and my last one here really is just sort of Carolyn. I would like to know more about Carolyn and her potential diagnosis of stuff. I, you know, I'm not altogether sure where they could go with this, but I love Carolyn so much. I don't want her to go anywhere that I would love for her to have a conversation with Eve in the way that she does, where she just has her assumptions and they're all correct. And maybe she, she helps Eve with a way to like deal with her bullshit. Like she's on this fake morality thing. And like we saw Carolyn at the end, it was like, you'll get over it. It's fucking fine. Like it's all good. And she couldn't, I would like her to get over that part of her ego and herself. And the fact that Carolyn was smarter and bested her and was a better manipulator. So Carolyn could be like, you obviously want to be like me, ho, able to compartmentalize what's going on here. And I can help you because I'm like you. You're like me, maybe a little bit side of it. So yeah, that's it. I would just like to know more about Carolyn's actual psyche, her mental imprint of stuff and i don't know everyone in that damn family not neurotypical what's going on in the martin's home i mean yeah because i i mean i don't know if kenny is neurotypical he doesn't always seem like it to me but he doesn't bother me so i guess that's why i tolerate it to the high degree that i do he but seems like if anything he may have some sort of social anxiety issue being around lots of people or people I want you to give me your natural reaction to what I'm about to oh, show Oh, man. You. All right, let's go. Natural reaction. Maybe. Open data. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. I know you brought this up because I was bitching about this earlier. So, yeah, let's let's go there. Um, Technical side of Well Well Villanelle listeners who maybe are a little bit nerdy and geeky when it comes to tech shit. I'm going to post the screenshot on Insta later today of or... Wednesday or eventually, whenever you guys are listening to this, of the Raymond vision we get from Peel's little whack ass laptop. And if you guys looked at that shit, first of all, it says open data. And I just gotta say, from from Jump Street, from 21 Jump Street, 21 Jump Street, are the BBC is the Killing Eve crew trying to tell me that the name of Aaron Peel's magic algorithm that knows everything about everybody is open data? Is that what they're telling me, number one? Is that what they're saying, number one? Number two, are they telling me that this whack-ass logo that don't make no damn sense is the logo for open data? But you know what really gets fucked up? You know what really gets fucked up? 
the folders. Like here is what really, <laughs> here is to me, you guys, this is the equivalent of, and I don't know who knows this, but there was a fucking video with Kelly Rowland and Nelly lots of years ago. And she's trying to send Nelly a text and he's not answering the text. And that's because she's sending a text to an Excel fucking document on, um, was that sidekick that she's holding? Yeah. But yeah. So two a, if you haven't seen it, just Google Kelly Rowland sidekick text and it'll come up in Google images. But it's so ridiculous. The reason why I bring it up is that it's so ridiculous that you look at it and anyone with any kind of common sense is like, that's not a text. That's an Excel document. This is how I feel about the mock-up screenshot for Aaron Peel. And I understand that clearly Charlotte, Charlotte cares more about attention to detail to motherfucking wardrobe than whoever is responsible for this screen cap of Aaron Peel. Because you set Aaron Peel up as a motherfucking technical marvel, as a motherfucking Mark Zuckerberg, okay? as a motherfucking potential Steve Jobs, a creepy ass Steve Jobs. And here we have an image where, what does it say here? There's things on the side. It says images and we can't exactly see what's under images. Details. Because images, but but you have to say there's a drop down to images. There's a drop down to images. There's four categories that we cannot read what it says. And then under images, we have videos, details, articles, news. And what got me fucked up, especially is articles and news, articles and news, articles and news. How does that make any sense? How? What articles and news of Raymond? Terrence, what articles and news? What is this Peel algorithm? He said that he could look at people through their cell phones, but he has a weird fucking setup that says articles and news. I'm just, I'm pissed off because I'm like, how do you allege that someone is pulling information from every single device out there that can collect and store information about where we go? on the internet and where we go in life, our GPS trackers, our text messages, all that shit. And he's looking at a basic ass webpage saying open data with five fucking tabs, including news and articles. I am so fucking upset. Yeah, it's not pretty. Oh my God. I I can't help that I look at these details. I really can't help it. I'm sorry. What'd you just say? I was saying it doesn't look pretty. It also doesn't look effective. And I can't see what this data is connected to. I don't know what it's pulling from. What's the you isolate engine? a super important part, the interface. Peel is a genius, but he got some ugly ass fucking looking like it's AOL fucking dial up from 1997. Looking like a geosites website. That's actually what it looks like. Angel Fire. Remember those bad websites we could oh, get for no. free? Like, what the fuck? Anyway, I'm sorry, guys. I just had to get that rant out because it super bothered me just because I can't. I just can't. All right. I just wish they would have got a nerd to be like, oh, nerd. If you had to imagine what an interface might look like for a person like Aaron Peel who can pull information from all these places, could you do it for us in Photoshop? And they're like, yeah, sure, totally. But that's not what happened. We got Kelly Rowland texting in Excel. Well, here's hoping that if they have another technological genius on the show that they just hire an intern or a PA or a production person who cares about those things. So are all these people dead? <laughs> oh, what are the names? Oh, they dead. They're all dead. Those Hold are kill on. videos. Billy, Matilda. Which means Fred, he was going to kill Billy Allison, prior. Jean-Baptiste, Rachel, Florence. There was a dude's Alex, name in there? Helen, Julia, Mario, Samantha. There are a few dudes. Wow. There's a Mario. There's Alex, who could be a female. We don't know. Jean-Baptiste and Fred. I believe those are all bodies. Mm. I believe if she clicked through all those videos, she would eventually find one of them being murked, which is interesting because are we to potentially... Actually, no, I won't say he would murk Billy because I think after he has the conversation with her after the dinner with the Russians that he decides that she's on another page or rather they're on the same page of ridiculousness and that maybe he'll keep her around for more fun. But yeah, thank you for triggering me with that image. Um, I hope you enjoyed that.
apologies. Anyway, I feel like that's the end of my wish list. I There's probably other wishes, but I'm not even going to get into those fanciful wishes at this time because it's really just sort of about get our girls back together. Again, I'm not saying it has to be a happy ending. I just, if you don't have Sandra O. Oh, and Jodie Comer in a scene together, season three. What are you actually doing? What are you doing? Do you want to deny yourself the future Emmys and Golden Globes and BAFTAs that you could get? No, so don't do that. Do do what you've been doing. Do fresh shit. Definitely do fresh shit. But also make sure to bring those bitches back together in the same room. Somehow, some way, make it work. All right, so then we are going to move on to our favorite line of the week. All right, so it's time for our favorite line of the week. Favorite line of the week. dun dun dun, dun. <laughs> All right, so let's go with your line first. Let's keep it up here. Yes. um, Do you want to introduce the audience? My line is nothing more than Carolyn being nothing less than the very best, the absolute best. And she's basically just describing what she does. Uh, It's her school and Eve. All right, and here it goes. My job to get the best out of people. Villanelle simply did what she does best, and so did you. You're the person who made this whole operation possible. Mm-hmm. I was the pawn. Don't be twee. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that vocabulary is sexy, stuff. Carolyn. It's so sexy. Just the big dick energy on display, and Eve's petulant. It's funny that Eve expected any kind of loyalty of any kind, considering how she did Carolyn dirty like three times in a row. In season one, then in season two. And so if she's saying, you did what you do best, is she implying messing around with your girlfriend and not listening to me? I really think that's what she's saying. She's like, I bring the best out of people. I did that for Villanelle and I did that for you. You did what you did best. Villanelle did what she does best, which is kill. And you do what you do best, which is follow your girlfriend around and not listen to me. And so what? That's my thought. Well, you got to spend all that time together and you think what that I mean, I didn't get a thank you, but (laughs) she didn't. She didn't get a fucking thank you. You're like, I was used. Oh, you were used when when you had the bug in your ear. Were you you also used then? Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Questions that need answers. I'm just saying if Carolyn knew that bitch was in Paris, I'm going with Carolyn knows they had the bug sex. Right. (laughs) A matter of fact. Okay. It had to be recording, right? Like, we did not see Eve go press a single button when she before she hopped on Hugo's knob. So if there was tapes to be salvaged, right? Isn't it... <laughs> isn't it plausible mm-hmm. that Carolyn has the full six to seven uh-huh. hour recording of the bug sex and everything that Villanelle said? And Villanelle just dropped so much tea for that bitch. She was like, Eve, I know you even better now. <laughs> so you did stab a hoe in Paris. I knew it. I knew it. Oh, my God. All right. So let me get to my line, which debatable, but it actually is uh, said by Villanelle. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I will find us a car. I will be parked outside the hotel in five minutes. If you see anything scary, just leave. Okay. (laughs) Don't be brave. Oh, God. See, if that. Wait. See, that's the line that... uh... See you soon. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Heartbreak. For me, this is my favorite line just because it represents for me in the episode just how much Villanelle was willing to flex and bend for a bitch despite her ridiculousness, despite her absurdity of wanting to go back to that hotel. And we saw it was completely and totally absurd because you're a shitty spy. You don't know how spying, doing the spy thing works. And so this line is just... I. It was the beginning of like my panic attack as this show relates because I was like, oh dear, 
her face, the way she said that to you in five minutes, it's ominous. It's not going to go the way I want. But, you know, Villanelle was trying. She was trying to be a good wifey. She was trying to make her feel better. She's trying to make her feel secure and safe. And furthermore, this is a time where we know for sure she didn't want anything bad to happen to Eve because she's like, bitch, go in there and get your tapes. But if you see anything scary, just leave. Just run. Don't be brave. Come back to me in one piece. See you in five. Wow. And uh, they broke my heart after that. That sound agreeable. But for some reason, uh, five minutes before the end of the episode, Eve constructed all that to be, you don't even want me to be confident. You want me to be weak. You want me to rely on you. Well, we already said that that's the, that's the pivot, the Anna pivot, where you're just like, suddenly I want to put everything, the onus of all of this responsibility that's actually on me onto someone else because I don't want to deal with it. But yeah, so that was my favorite line, back in five minutes to crush you, Candace. So that essentially wraps up our little segmented pieces for this snack episode, you guys. I'm sure this episode is hyper, hyper long. But honestly, what did you expect? Someone sent us a message saying they were looking forward to our five-hour recap well, of the finale. They, they fucking knew. knew. They fucking knew. Ooh, announcement! Well, we hope you guys have had a great time on this journey with us. This incredibly entertaining stressful and at this current time painful journey um with killing eve where we're kind of right back where we were at the end of season one just with a little bit more trepidation than we had last year because well villanelle was walking around and we actually had some humor at the end because the french landlord came in and she was like she has gone and we could laugh at that she has gone but in this episode no all that has gone is blood from eve's body so it's a little bit rough. We hope you guys had a great time following along with us, listening to our marathon, literal marathon length episodes as we tried to break down every single iota and cell and morsel that there is to digest about each episode of Killing Eve. This is not our uh, official last episode for the season. We're working on some things and some plans and things of things we can do in terms of just maybe recapping Killing Eve up until now at some point. And we did mention that we were going to have like what do we call it? The gay round table <laughs> with uh -huh. some special guests who want to share their opinions too on Killing Eve. Probably a bunch of queer folks and a, a token het if we can. Yeah. And also you'll be able to catch us at all the stuff that will be happening actually sort of commencing now in the summertime. If any of you listeners go to cons or any sort of like nerdy entertainment type events, we will be at a bunch of them. Not only for Well Well Villanelle, but also for our Marvel podcast that we are on. Of course, Pride is coming up literally the next month. It's about to get super yes. gay in New York and across the, the country, the world. The world, yeah. Literally. So we will be at events related to that shit. We will be at FlameCon in August. FlameCon is in mid-August. It's the largest LGBTQIA con that happens. And we will be there. We will be there with press shit. And we will have a table for all of our villanelle shit and probably some of the other shit that we've made for like our marvel bitches that we love captain marvel valkyrie okoye and the rest mm -hmm. so if you guys are going to be at flamecon i'm sure we will do some sort of updating episode eventually as we get close to that date to remind you guys that we will be there um also of course brooklyn comic-con nycc sdcc if any of these women bother to show up to a fucking con we will be there covering it for you guys because we tried to do that shit last year but literally killing eve was nowhere there was just like the pin the pin at sdcc which was fucking annoying um we'll also be doing a couple panels new york comic-con and others usually our panels are on future of marvel for women and queer characters queer rep and starting this year killing eve stuff i know and what the fuck is happening on this fucking show so you can stay tuned for our future wrap-up show with our guest hosts and roundtables and 
you know, we're going to challenge ourselves to to speed recap. <laughs> Killing Eve, that's kind of the thing. Because I don't think people think we're capable of it. I don't think they they think we can wrap up a show in an hour. Well, when we have our uh, table, I mean, we're going to be like hard capped at, what is that, 45 minutes? So that's, that's going to be true. the But Terrence is more like Villanelle. Ever. I don't like to be challenged. I don't <laughs> like to be challenged. I don't like to be challenged, but I'll fucking take the challenge. It'll probably be ridiculous, but we're going to try that shit later on in the summer. Got a future podcast coming out, our Marvel one. I will, I've been marinating on having a misandry podcast for some time. And it's mostly just because everyone who knows me in life, as Terrence can confirm, they literally know me as a misandrist. It's just what happens. And they've been like, Candace, Candace. And there's horrible times of the patriarchy. Why don't you fucking have a misandry podcast where you just do what? Uh, try to balance out the scales of what the <laughs> patriarchy is doing on a day-to-day basis. Give you some fucking stories and some things and some jokes and some media and stuff that'll work out. I don't fucking know. I will let you guys know how that's going. And there's also a Netflix podcast I'll be on that is about everything shitty on Netflix. If you want to bitch or hear what to avoid on Netflix, you guys can tune into that too. And whenever that is up and ready to subscribe to, we will post that on the Insta for you guys to see. Uh, Also a quick announcement that we are sending out swag tomorrow. I know we said we were sending it out last Last weekend, but what happened was we wanted to add something else and I'm a perfectionist. So sorry, not sorry, baby. Look out for your fucking package this week. And Oh, we have our snack episode drawing that we were supposed to fucking do. Where's that Captain Marvel bucket? Let's do it right oh, now. La, 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 let me record. La, la, Hold on. La, la, All right, guys. Oh, wait, no, that's not it. <laughs> I pressed the wrong button. La, 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 la. All right, guys, we are getting ready to pick out the winner. <laughs> Why is that Star Wars music? I know, and it's Captain Marvel in the bucket, and this for Bring that bucket Eve. closer so I can see. All right, so pick out a name. Uh, if I pick you, you are a winner. If I don't pick you, you're still a winner. You just you're won't winner get with us. swag. Oh, <laughs> you're, you're a winner with us. Oh, winner. So it looks like Show we me that name. have with all the bad penmanship. Uh, looks like is that love animal? Oh my god, that says love animal. Congratulations to you. Where's that? Uh, we'll more than likely be in your DMs asking you about uh, a where. We can kind of send some wonderful whoa, 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 no Yeah, if you want you. that shit. Uh, so be I guess I'll stop recording inboxes. this video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we don't need to keep recording the video. But um, yeah, uh, please finish here. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll be in your inboxes. And you'll be hearing from one of a multitude of accounts. You already know that we're at hey, you guys at com, But... You may also hear from us on twitter.com slash wellwellvillanelle or instagram.com slash wellwellvillanelle. Twitter, we only have one well because they don't want us to have a long name. And then also we're at wellwellvillanelle.tumblr.com. So, yeah, catch us on all of the info waves. Everyone's still dealing with this outro, dealing with the being on hiatus, dealing with illegally downloading the season because it hasn't premiered in your country yet. Whatever you're dealing with, I mean, by proxy, we're dealing with it too. We can't wait to get some answers when the writers decide to come up with some concepts. And hopefully they're not stingy on the sharing those concepts with us. Hopefully. If you find more people in the music, uh, was it Spotify? Like if Sandra has a Spotify playlist, oh. find it. Uh, if you find us. it, tell tell us, tell your friends, but don't fucking follow those bitches. Oh, I wanted to read the review really quick from Love and Animal, just in case you don't recognize yourself with the, <laughs> with the 
moniker uh their review said best ke podcast i can't get enough of this podcast i listen during my commute and it's hilarious and insightful i love Candace's laugh thank you and terrence's wild theories they are awesome you are awesome thank you so you much for playing awesome. and we hope you like your fucking swag when you receive it um but anyway bittersweet symphony because we we're done guys we're done with this snack episode Ooh. well what a journey this was a wild ride and you know for some of us it's not over some of us still got thoughts some of us are still not finished feeling and you know what we get it we understand we do we fucking do but thank you again for joining us on this magical journey and while we will not be hitting your fucking inbox or your notifications mondays anymore you will hear from us again soon 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 enough when we figure out our stuff and schedule and things and guest hosts and stuff we will fucking let you guys know but thank you yes guys thank you Alrighty, guys until the next headline <laughs> here's hoping you get killed by a woman and never forget that <laughs>